0: Hello, and welcome to Confetti Break on Unsafe Space. My name is Carrie Smith. I'm one of your co-hosts. Carter Laren. my co-host, is not here today because his baby's finally on the way, I think. And that's good news because it means it's only three years until we get to find out what gender it is. So (laughs) we have a lot to celebrate when he gets back. Um, But today is, let's see, today is Friday. No, Monday, October 25th. And I'm joined today by... Uh, my co-host Cameron Pasha, Cameron, my special guest host. Oh, I yeah, think you're I, muted. I, I, I'm unmuted.
1: Not No, I'm on. I'm on, oh, I'm you're on okay. Mute. okay. No, I, I'm honored to be special co-hosting. Uh, I feel. I feel like it's one of those things where, like, you know, you have those uh, those Today Show type morning shows, right? And they're trying to figure out the new host, and then you have the person cycle in, and then tell <laughs> hopefully everyone give me yeah. lots of likes for this, so that I become sort of like a regular co-host when Carter's off. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you are like harder except you're a devout Muslim and <laughs> screenwriter. I just
1: two flipping sides of a coin, whatever I thought.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for joining me today. I uh I just also wanted to quickly up top do some announcements. Thank you for everybody who came to our book club yesterday. We read uh it was nonfiction that's this month, and we talked about Texit by Daniel Miller, which is Really, it's not a long read. If you're interested, um, is, I would highly suggest Is, is it
1: like, is that like Was that ahead of what was happening?
0: Yes. Yeah, so this okay. guy basically says that, in his opinion, the Texit movement started in 1996. Okay. And it's still in its infancy because he compared it to things like Brexit, which took decades upon mm-hmm. decades. And he compared it to uh, Spain and Catalina
1: mm-hmm.
0: and how many years that took. And so, in his opinion, Texit is an inevitability. And he supports it with lots of the idea that states are sovereign nations in and of themselves, that they are sovereign states. He supports it with um, quotes from the founding fathers. He supports it with a lot of their concerns.
1: Yeah. What was the original idea? I mean, that was the original idea of federalism. You know, the, the, the problem that that. Quash that idea was, you know, sort of the founding sin of America is that half the half the country decided to have slaves, which is a bad idea, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you know, the, and then when after the Civil War, that essentially destroyed states' rights, uh, you know, because. It was effort to remove slavery, which was a bad idea from the beginning. that's the that's the problem the founders always knew. The inherent contradiction is that you know is you're trying to create these essentially independent states that were going to be federated together on defense mm-hmm. and a few other things, right But then half of them were doing this thing that the founders knew was immoral right. of them were doing it right So this was the inherent right. so now we're attempting to get back to states rights without this thing, right and because right. that clouded the whole conversation for a couple hundred years.
0: Yeah, and he actually, because of the word secession, he, and the negative connotation associated with that word, and not just the negative connotation, he makes the argument that secession in it, the word itself implies that a state has given up its sovereignty already to this union. And, and so then it has to fight to have its sovereignty again. In his opinion, the states have never given up their sovereignty. This has always been a voluntary union and that at any point states can withdraw. And unlike other states like Nevada, Texas, in our state constitution, we don't have anything saying that we can't Mm -hmm. leave the union in our state constitution, but he kind of goes through all the arguments. One argument being, Hey, the civil war decided all this, right? Mm He, he, he goes through each argument and he Mm -hmm. provides a counter argument. And it's just, I didn't know enough about the idea of Texit or its secession in general. So it was a really good, quick read to get more background on that. And, um, and then next month, I just have to real quick next month before I forget. uh, we're doing book club. We're do- going back to fiction. We're doing *The Handmaid's Tale* on November twenty-first by Margaret Atwood. If you guys want to join us, go to unsafespace dot to the book club page, and please like and subscribe. This and you, your subscription is mandatory now. That's When all. are you going to do Cameron.
1: my novels on unsafe space? My <laughs> novels, are, I mean that they're unsafe. They're all t- you know they're unsafe. You know, *The Crusade* from a Muslim point of view, we- the story of the prophet's <laughs> wife Aisha who was a teenage girl when she married him, so they're unsafe and they're controversial. My-
0: your novels are on our big lift, list. that gets shifted around every month when we decide. I'm just going to have to start arguing for them in it's, our meeting. <laughs> <laughs> it's too unsafe. It's okay. yeah. too okay. unsafe. Yeah. look, yeah. when we did anything, oh, what was the book? When we did C.S. Lewis, the Screw Letters, I think that was probably Carter's least favorite book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, had, I had a friend of mine who was going through this uh, sort of Christian um, fundamentalist phase. You know, she had she she had in college. She had gone. She was and. And she was really getting sort of like on the fringes of of, of sort of Christian thought. But I say, I just like gave her a book. Can you just read some C.S. Lewis? I mean, I think oh, yeah. this is going to give you what you want without some of this crazy stuff, right? Yeah. So you don't need any yeah. of this stuff. Well, that's not really Christianity. It's what your church is telling you. Why don't you just read Lewis? I think it'll really get you to where you need to be. Yeah, I actually, I really
0: enjoyed that book. I appreciate his nonfiction as well. So I think that's a good book to recommend to people. And and his background, C.S. Lewis, coming from someone who was an atheist and and then converted. I think that's kind of interesting. He, I think he really nails human nature. Even yeah. if you don't agree with him on whether or not there's a god or or which god or, but he he gets humans. Like he some of his quotes about our desire to see for our enemies to be as bad as we imagine them, and how we're disappointed if they're not. Like yeah, stuff like that. That really made me think of the the remember the kid who got in trouble with the media. They all started smearing him, the Covington kid.
1: Yeah, and and I also I went along with that narrative for a while as well until I found out I didn't have the information. Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, but they some people when they found out the truth they they just discard it because they want him to be the people that want to hate someone in a MAGA hat. They're like they want it to be as bad as they thought. It's like no, he wasn't taunting anyone, but Mm -hmm. you can't get past it because you want that bad story to be true, you know. And and he wrote about stuff like that, so. Um well I've interrupted you early. You're about to say something. Oh no, no. I session. was just gonna
1: say the first time I ever heard the argument that the that the uh that the states had voluntarily joined the union and never given up that voluntary commitment was actually in Gore Vidal's Lincoln. Gore Vidal, who's a very, you know, left writer. Yeah. He novel Lincoln, which is a really good novel. Uh, you know, he he at the you know it's seated in there, but then finally one of the characters at the end after Lincoln's been assassinated you know, said, this guy pretty much sacrificed his life to force people to do something that they had every right not to do, right? And to stay part of yeah. this, right? And that was an interesting perspective coming from Gore Vidal, you know, in You this know book. what? That's the book. Hold on one second.
0: Uh, yeah. Oh no. So my husband's reading a really thick book on Lincoln right now. I just had to look at the author. It's a different one, but he's been giving me some of this history as well, or follow me in on some of it. Yeah. yeah. I, I had never been, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty ignorant about, I just recently started reading the anti-federalist papers and I'm pretty ignorant about a a lot of the founding. And so I, what I liked about this book is it included a few different things from uh, Alexander Hamilton, you know, Thomas Jefferson, Madison and quotes I had never read before about how they wanted to take care to make sure that it was understood that states were their own sovereign entity. That's why, and, 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 you know, language is very important. He points out that it used to, it was always referred to as, you know, the United States of America mm-hmm. in the plural, not like right. as so the if United one, States of America
1: are yeah. doing this. So United States yeah. are doing this and yes. then the civil war became the United States is doing
0: this. Yes. As if it was one singular thing. Plus I didn't know about the history of the pledge of allegiance and who wrote that and how that was, you know, one nation under God, why that was mm-hmm. written. And so yeah. he kind of gives some of that history, but, um, but yeah, it was a quick read. It was cool.
1: And, uh, yeah. Uh, look, Lincoln is a fascinating character. You know, he he's an amazing person in a historical level, but he's a complex guy. And uh, and it's difficult to talk about him because people don't you know, people don't want to look at his complexity. But, you know, one of the one of the when I was in law school, w- one of my classmates was this brilliant, brilliant African-American law student who went up to a very successful lawyer. And he was actually a pretty conservative guy. But he, I remember him getting into a very big argument with a guy who was saying how Lincoln, you know, was this great, you know, E- emancipated in the sense that he was—he was not a racist—and he's like, no, Lincoln. Lincoln, by the standards of his time, and this is what he said: by the standards of his time, Lincoln was a racist. Lincoln's, Lincoln's, and that's actually Vidal deals with it mm-hmm. in his n- novel. Lincoln's solution to the problem was: once the Civil War is over, we're going to take all these black people and ship them to Africa. They don't belong here. They don't. They wow. can't live in And he met, and he met with uh, black leaders at the time when he was, there, and they said, yeah, "Mr. President, this is—we've been here for eight generations. We're not African." this is our country. We're not going anywhere. And he's like, yeah. well, you're going to have to because we can't, you know, if you stay here, it's going to tear the country apart after the Civil war, right? And, and and people thought that was crazy at the time. Black leaders were like, Mr. President, why are you saying this, right? So, I mean, that look, he's a complex guy, but that aspect of the history is is melded over, even though it's actually true. He was like, get them all out of here. That wasn't yes. that was considered racist in the 1860s. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well,
0: that's that is interesting because we prefer to make very uncomplicated heroes out of people yeah. or villains. And mm-hmm. when you look back at history and, and yeah, the older I get, the more I realize that that's just not true about almost anyone. Well,
1: because we're um, human and... and- you know, look i we can i'd love, definitely love to have this conversation with, with carter about whether there is objective morality but it is absolutely true that that society society's mores reflect the practical realities of the environment and it's very hard for us to project backwards our current mores onto onto other people dealing with other situations right and dealing with other yeah. history. And you know, if if the if the vegans get their way in three hundred years, all of us that ate meat will be will be seen as villains, right? Well, they're all you're trying to do that right now, so yes. <laughs> I don't think they're going to succeed. Yes. With it. They're all they're all dying. God bless all the vegans we're watching. <laughs> yeah. If you are a healthy vegan, put a picture in the chat. Let's see it. <laughs> I've seen I've seen this happening
0: right now. With so I mentioned next month we're reading The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood, who mm-hmm. has always been one of my favorite writers since I was kid basically or, or teenager and uh in in college i got to take a, whole, a class that was just unheard and it was so decadent it's just like you get to read all these books by your favorite author which is great yeah. but lately she's sort of riding this fence where she, on, on twitter she shared a couple of articles that were critiquing the um the trans activism the kind of um hyperbolic hysterical activism we see that's hap- unfolding right now around dave chappelle special for example
1: yeah and it started with jk rowling and all that yeah right
0: so. and so as a result she was piled on by the mob apparently they posted her home address which isn't new for this mob they dox people um and then she seemingly tried to throw then she shared she's like no look I'm not a turf. I'm not these names you're calling me. And then she shared videos that were attacking JK Rowling. And it almost seemed like she was trying to throw this other woman under the bus, like to the wolves. And it just really, dis- I don't know if that's, that's, that's the way people read it. And when I looked at it, I also, it seemed to be that that's what she's doing. And I was, I was very disappointed about that. But one of the things that you're talking about judging people now yeah. and applying today's standards on the past What's funny is somebody kind of satirically in the comments said to Margaret, Margaret Atwood, why didn't you put a trans woman in the handmaid's tale? <laughs> like judging her, you know, today, it's like, ah, oh, your book is so it's not well, because diverse. The enough.
1: handmaid's tale is about reproduction, right? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> well, that's that's a bit of a problem, right? <laughs> Margaret
0: Atwood, why didn't you put a trans man in the handmaid's tale? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, because it seems an improbable thing in this sort of religious fanatic society that they're having trans men serve as as breeders. I think it's a little yeah. strange. Yeah. But 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 you know the weird thing is someone may have done that uh, ironically or jokingly. But there are people that automatically default to that thinking. So yeah, that's true. That's why it, it's funny because that saying. It's funny because it's true. There are people who are like, oh,
0: that's not diverse enough. The same way the SJW mob went after Kimberly Pierce, you know, the director of Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. Yeah. She, well, they they called her. Black? I don't remember
1: that. Remember oh, that. so
0: she was speaking at a college. I believe it was Reed College, and before she got there, they put up because she's not trans herself. They called her uh, a cis privileged cis bitch. They put up I, she's a bitch. They I, put I, up I sides. Believe she is,
1: she is, I believe she's she's. I believe she's lesbian. Am I incorrect? She's a lesbian. Yes, correct. But so she's not good LGBT, enough. She, but yes, right.
0: So she uh, they trashed the, the place, the room at the college where she was going to be speaking. They put up signs calling her uh, a privileged cis bitch. They uh, basically tried to prevent her from talking at Reed and went after her because how dare she misrepresent the trans experience by not casting a trans person. They didn't like that Hillary Swank isn't a trans man And that she, the director herself, is not trans. And that's, again, that's that kind of And that movie was
1: revolutionary in presenting a trans perspective in a mainstream film that got a lot of attention, right? That was revolutionary. But, you know, I often think that these, and again, I want to clarify what I'm saying. I'm not saying the trans community. I'm saying the trans activists. Because every trans person I've met just wants to be left alone. Just want to be left alone, get on with their lives, be accepted for who they are. They don't want to create any drama because they already know they've got drama around their lives because of of how they're living it, right? And so... It's the trans activists who often are not members of that community, but are their saviors, right? I often think that these activists are secretly right-wing nutjobs who are basically trying to undermine the entire (laughs) feminist leftist argument. And you know why I think that? Because I remember an episode of Oprah that I saw in the 80s when I was a teenager. I came home. I remember I watched it, and it was such a bizarre episode. I never forgot. it. must have been 14 years old when Oprah in her old days, when she wasn't even a national. She was like a local phenomenon, right, at some of the big cities. I was watching this, and it was an episode about a guy, it must have been like 1984, who the whole episode, he was sitting there, he was wearing a skirt. And his entire thing was that he had been divorced and had a bad experience with his wife, and he was, and he decided that being a woman was easier in society, and he was going to be a woman from that point on. And uh, and his whole, and he was this, and all the women were getting up and saying, "So you know, this is just you being angry at your wife, right? You know." And he was basically just clearly, that's exactly what it was, and it was, but he was attempting to bring down the entire feminist argument by co-opting it. So I was like. Wow. are these people the actual descendants of this character I saw at Oprah <laughs> are they actually trying to undermine this thing you know, so
0: here's I, here's what I think you have happening okay I'm gonna try and lay this out actually i'm I'm sort of thinking out loud so bear with me okay. you've got a very small percentage of people very less than one percent less than a fraction of a percent who've always uh, that small fraction of a percent of people who presented gender dysphoria when they're young uh-huh. yeah and Recently, because the ideology has made trans the new celebrated marginalized group, it's an ideology all about you know. It's the pinnacle group, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And so right now it's the pinnacle group, and so now it's become trendy. And it's Mm -hmm. also, I think you have a lot of kids who Mm -hmm. normally would just be they going through an identity crisis anyway. Am I emo? Like when we were younger, it's like am I emo? Am I goth? Am I this? Or our time, Gen X, people had discovered anorexia because of popular mm-hmm. culture, or they had discovered cutting, and so you would yes. see girls suddenly those things exploded culturally because people heard about them. And, um, not to say it, that they didn't have way, pain, yeah,
1: but, but it was a way of belonging. Every generation right. has this way of belonging, especially in teenage eras when when you're just feeling isolated, alone, your body's changing, you don't like yourself. Suddenly, you've got you want to feel liked and special, and and every generation yes. has this phenomenon.
0: Right. And it's a way of, of getting that attention. And in some ways, I think wearing whatever is going on inside of you on the outside in a way that people have to deal with it. Yeah, People have to deal with your inside emotions, whether that's because you are uh, noticeably anorexic in their face or because you've got scars from cutting or because you're now trans and forcing them to you know, use whatever they pronouns. And so there's an explosion of it among teens now that we never had before. And part of that, so you've got, you've got all these different people lumped in as trans. Now you've got the people, (laughs) I think who always would have been trans or had gender dysphoria. You've got this huge group of people who never
1: would have been trans who are now as kids. It's social contagion. It's social contagion. You know, it's a, it's a desire to be part of this group. And suddenly you see everyone else that you kind of liked in school doing it. And then you don't want to be isolated from that.
0: Right. And you get attention for it. Mm -hmm. And then you've got another group of people that are in the same that all get lumped Mm -hmm. in together are the autogonophiles, the men who get off on seeing themselves in women's underwear. This is all a sexual thing for them. And all of these groups and there's probably more get lumped in as like trans now. And I really think about that small percentage of people Mm -hmm. like you were mentioning who they're not represented by all of these new additions to the
1: group. No, they're not, they're not, they're like, not LARPing. No. they have got people that are live action role-playing this, right? And yeah. that's what they're doing. They are people that actually have gender dysphoria, right? It's a yeah. small percentage, it's about, probably 0.2% of the population, but yeah. they have it. It's a real it's, it's a historical phenomenon. it's part of the human condition. How you know, but there's a lot of people that are just LARPing on board that, right? <laughs> so. Yes.
0: Yeah. So I imagine that's gotta be if you're in that position, it's gotta be frustrating to continually have people speaking for you who you haven't elected and who until recently were not even part of your group. I would say it's a bit like a woman suddenly mm-hmm. having people speaking <laughs> for women who were
1: a man six months ago. But you know. Um, well, but Dave Chappelle <laughs> dealt with this in his special. Chappelle, and he was proven, Chappelle said this. He said, I don't have a problem with trans people. I have a problem with white people, right? Remember we talked about it. And he said, <laughs> yeah. a white man to shut me up now says, "Well, I'm a white woman. You can't say nothing to me, right?" And literally, that's what happened when one of this this showrunner who just transitioned a few months ago is like, "Well, Dave is is oppressing me." It's just like, man, six months ago you weren't a transfer, You know, you were you were you were presenting as a male, right? right? And, yes. and as a white male, and you were considered privileged. Now you're at yeah, and now you're at the new kind of privilege, which is The new kind,
0: yes, exactly. Um, oh, I want to say, I didn't see th- that Super Chats were coming oh, in. Okay. Beverly, if you get a chance, I know you're doing a lot today, but if you could put them in the comments so I don't miss them. I know I missed some last time. Uh, let me read these three, and then I'm going to show you a video, Cameron, if you have time. Pirate Tomsky, hello, sir. He gives me five lira, and he says, is the t- <laughs> is the term for trendy trans trans?
1: Well, you might have coined it. Possibly. It's an up and coming new trend that we're going through, yeah.
0: Pirate Tomsky again. I'm just joking. I know that's not Lyra. I just always forget what it is. Carrie, here's for the <laughs> swear jar. Turn the uh, stream. Did you swear away. that I, Mister Swear? Did you swear? And I said it. the B word.
1: Uh, I just spelled. What did you spell? the B word. That's not- <laughs> my mother. My mother doesn't like swearing, and so if I spelled it, it would probably take her for a second to figure it out, and she was
0: it's the way i spell words that my dog's my dog knows there's hey, my dog has a very limited vocabulary but i have to spell those words so he doesn't get excited like <laughs> like t r e a t s you know but now i think he's learning how to spell cuz the other day i said maybe we should give him a t r e a t s and oh. he's like
1: he was like <sighs> Well, because, you know, they're not processing language the way we understand it. They are figuring out certain patterns of our of our vocalization. To so yeah. them, it's like, okay, every time I hear T R E A T S, I get this thing. So he's, yeah. he's figuring out.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> smart doggy, smart, doggie. smart
0: doggie. I'll fight you naked. Two dollars, thank you. Says dropping evil fauci meme in the Telegram chat now. Okay, mm-hmm. you guys in Telegram, enjoy that.
1: I um, believe, are we gonna talk? Are we gonna talk about Dr. Mangala today or not? We can. Okay, I just wanted to show family. you
0: something first, and this is related okay. to the previous topic. So, Beverly, can you put up that picture that I sent you of the family? James Lindsay tweeted this. Okay. And I enjoyed I thought it was it really funny. Okay. Uh, you know what? I wonder if Beverly's no longer with us today. Because Oh, there she is. Okay. Here, here, here. <laughs> so, okay. he's... So for anybody listening at home, it's a picture of three individuals, and it says, we're raising our kids with no gender, my extraordinary family. And in the description, it says, a A thruple are bringing up their two-year-old baby as a baby, a term that refers to gender-neutral parenting, where the baby isn't outwardly identified by its parents as either a boy or a girl. And... Mm. Mm. I, something about this picture, there's, uh, so there's a woman, a small woman in the middle, biological woman, who yeah. I'm going to guess identifies as a man. And then on the outside, she's framed by the other two people in her triangle relationship um, who are clearly biological men. They're much larger than her, but mm-hmm. they're trans women. They're dressed as like housewives. Mm-hmm. Yes, And I just looked at this picture and I wanted to ask you just picking up on social cues and the way people present themselves. I was like, I don't even need to watch this video, but I can tell you something based about this thruple. that mm-hmm. woman in the middle runs everything in this family.
1: Correct. That is <laughs> right? that That's self-evident to me. I mean, that's, that's clear yeah. from the body language. Yes.
0: Yes. I'm like, look at the way she's sitting versus the other two. She looks like she might be talking in this frame anyway. And they're sort of well, look at, look at her. the body
1: language. There's a lot of weird dynamics already that from this photo, like uh, the 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 person on the extreme right, their body is turned away from her. I'm just going to use the old gender pronouns. That's all I know how to do. Her, her body is turned away from her in the center. It's almost it, and that is often a sign of dislike or or just a, a disaffectation, right? And so uh, there's some there's there's a strange body language throughout this whole thing. There's no comfort there. There's no feeling of warmth in this photo of of an actual happy unit right
0: so then i i pulled up i did go and look because i wanted to see if i was right mm-hmm. and the woman in the middle actually i think i think she says she's non-binary i can't remember okay. but uh they, but anyway, I can they shot of the
1: whole thing you can you have no definitions so no
0: yeah no definition <laughs> she's like doing the media rounds she's on local news she's on news in the uk and it's her it's exactly what so they're
1: do where's she based? Where are these
0: people based? Uh Florida, based in Florida. But they've okay. been on British. Uh they they were on oh, well, with the, the uh, Brits Pierce love Morgan. this stuff.
1: The Brits yeah. love this stuff. Yeah. The, everybody, everybody's trans in Britain. Yeah. Okay. So
0: Yeah. Uh, and I I just I don't know. There's something there's something interesting about that. Maybe there's not a lot to say about it other than that I well, I mean, there's the only,
1: one thing to say about it. This kid, yeah. this kid's gonna grow up hating and these it, people.
0: And it's two kids now. Um, so both of them are called they, they be, and they, the oldest kid was in one of the interviews and just repeats everything
1: that they've been programmed with, which is, yeah. and, and, I don't and have the, a gender. And they will wake up. They will wake up. What we're going to see actually in the course of the next 10 to 20 years is a generation of these kids that are being raised like this. And it's actually happening. Halloween. You know, there on has adopted two black African babies that she's boys that she's raising as girls, uh, you know, so she can be the nice white savior and also the the trans savior of these children that never had a choice. In wow. This. And so they're all going to grow up. And at some point, the odds are they're going to. Likely be, you know, heterosexual and uh, and then will resent what this was done to them. And I have a feeling there's going to be issues of domestic violence and retaliation against these kinds of parents in the next generation. It's not going to be pretty.
0: I I have similar, my mind goes to a similar place. I'm a true crime fan. And I just immediately, I usually start thinking about what issues a person has and I'm just imagining what issues these kids are going to have growing up in this environment where nothing is what it seems and everything is upside down. And you know, again, hey, I was right about the person in the middle running everything in this thruple. No. But here's my other guess, which I can't prove. But I bet there's a lot of rules in this house, a lot of rules around gender and language, and what you can and can't say. And that person in the middle runs all those rules. <laughs>
1: like <Right>. and, and, <laughs> right. and when and when one of those children decides to show more normative tendencies in their in their teenage years, as their hormones and the reproductive drive sets in, they're going to be physically oppressed. There may even be calls for it's time to give you gender blockers and stuff like that, right? Uh, all kind of stuff that these kids, at some point, are going to turn very violently against. You know, I've read cases of children that were raised in this in this pedophile cult that was uh, uh, called the Family, where oh yeah, the Family, and then they they grew up to kill the people that, that had been their caretakers. They came back, like, hunted them down years yes. later, found them and shot them, right?
0: So Yeah. Um, just a quick super chat from G-Man who says, everyone in this picture is manspreading. They're not though. <laughs> They're not. They're all sitting with their legs They're crossed. They're all
1: sitting with their legs <laughs> crossed. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, you
0: know,
1: the, the tragedy of people like this, again, is that it's this is just media whoring. I don't know what's going on with you internally, but you're running around trying to get attention. And I work in Hollywood. And I'm surrounded by weirdos running around trying to get attention, right? You know, of any kind. They don't have to – I don't care what their gender is. They're just people that are egocentrical running around trying to get attention and doing whatever stunts they can. And they're usually repulsive people when you meet them, right? You know, you, you deal with it all the time. So this thing that's being done with these kids, it's not even about their – I don't even know that it's about their beliefs. It's really about – I can talk about it on, you know, you know on BBC, right? And, and so there's yeah. – we're at a stage where an entire generation of children is being sacrificed for adult pathologies.
0: Yeah. And this, this thrupple, the and the woman yeah. in the middle has yeah. been doing press about it for two years.
1: For yeah, two so years.
2: Yeah. Thought yeah.
1: It was really news to finance against, you know, this is, this is, this is a attention and money making scheme.
0: Yeah. It, it, well, thank you for letting me talk about that. It really bothered me. I saw it and I was like, I. Is there something about this? Well, you know, I, I have just...
1: no, no filter, which my 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 family, <laughs> don't go on these videos and say these things. Though. I don't have a filter, right? Because I have 20 years of having my yeah. ass kicked in Hollywood. There's no filter left.
0: Yeah. I'm pretty much the same. I Having left woke ideology, mm-hmm. uh, I don't have that sensor in my head anymore, which is great. Mm-hmm. So I'll say what I think. But at the same time, I also have learned the lesson in the past year that I don't have to say everything I'm thinking, though. Just is a yeah. difference. Like some things are better uh, for between friends and some things are good for a podcast and some things are a thought about someone that might be true, but you don't have to tell everyone you think that. Like I, I got in trouble, not in trouble, but I, I uh, once I had people upset with me because I called Corey Booker a twat and there I cursed. That's my one curse for the day. Oh, but- oh okay. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, you were quoting a previous yeah. version of yourself. You're not actually expressing. Yeah,
0: kind of. And but I actually think, you know, he is a is a not a great person. (laughs) That was a great word for
1: for him
0: yes and uh but th- then i started realizing well just because you have a thought about a person doesn't mean you have to share it so that was a lesson i learned from that yeah
1: i'm trying <laughs> look, you know even me talking about this stuff is dangerous for, you know but i'm I'm just trying to share my perspectives as objectively as i can and at this point i'm like look if you're gonna cancel in hollywood you guys already did that 10 years ago you did that the moment obama was elected yeah. right and i was pretending to be one of you back then so you canceled me anyway so i'm like All right, whatever so
0: you're good. Thomas St. Thomas says, hello. Hello, sorry. He says, no deeper understanding of our world than masculine feminine dynamics. These kids will have no map with which to navigate humanity. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, and,
1: what, mm-hmm. and that's perfect for our elites who can then control them and then tell them to do whatever you want, you know? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's by taking away the masculine feminine polarity, you take away any threat to the power structure, you know? Yeah. And, and that's that's ultimately why if you look at who who prom- this is really something that came out of the UK, this this modern conversation by trans activists. It's really started in the UK. And if you look at who started this, it's the Tavistock Institute, which is a very, very shady, uh, you know, think tank that that's decades old that's been pushing all kinds of bizarre you know, social agendas. And if you look deeply into them, you're like, oh, wow, these are connected to, you know, to MI6, and and they're connected to various, you know, intelligence organizations, and they're connected to various occult groups like Aleister Crowley, and others, you're like, okay, so this Institute is connected with some very fringe and bizarre people. But it is the basis of what this ideology spread into Britain, and then has come to the US. So
0: yeah, that's so interesting, because I think what they're doing is they're teaching kids. They're teaching kids whether whether some of them are cognizant of this is what they're yep. doing or not, but they're teaching them not to trust their own eyes and right. not to trust
1: reality. Which and is so, what well said. The, the the final thing of the party required that you not trust what you see.
0: Yeah, it, absolutely. Um, a couple more super chats and see. Um, Mighty Balzac says, nice hat, Carrie. Thank you. This is a gift from Pirate Tomsey, and it's an authentic hat <laughs> from yeah. Uh, I always say he's in he's in Scotland, but he's not. You have to write where you are. Yorkshire is that right?
1: Um, you know, I think I saw a photo of you somewhere on on Facebook or Instagram, or whatever, where you didn't have a hat on, and I had this reaction. I was like, wait, what? That's her hair, right? Oh. It's, it's that moment in the scarlet letter where I think you know <laughs> it takes off Hester print takes off her her scarlet A for a second, right? For, and her little daughter starts screaming because she's never seen her without the A. <laughs> 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 that's so funny yeah i mean, it's
0: it, people get used to you what if you're wearing something like that they they think that's what you wear all the time um okay one more and then we're moving on yep. finest city cycling says i haven't seen tiger today can you please confirm he's marked safe from anthony mm-hmm. car uh carilla deville is a noob frouchy i don't know what that's referring to what's carilla deville is a noob Oh, he's making a joke. I always have to have the jokes explained to me. Cruella yeah. DeVille. I get it. I get it. Yeah. He's safe. Thank you. And uh, and then one other TPS says colonialism much. Look up Dr. Money. Yeah. Are you familiar with Dr. Money, Cameron?
1: No, I'm not familiar with Dr. Money. Who's Dr. Money?
0: So he's one of these guys who originally he coined the whole idea of a gender identity Okay. and figuring out what your gender identity is. But he did lots of experiments on this boy, David. Somebody in chat, remind me his name. Um, and he basically at birth. So from what I'm remembering at birth, the, uh, he, there was an accident when he was being born and the doctors had mangled his genitalia. Probably a
1: circumcision went wrong or something like right. that.
0: Yeah. And yeah. so Dr. Money came in with the parents and got the parents to ask for the child to be completely circumcised. So he could use him in his experiment to prove that gender was entirely socially constructed. And so they circumcised the boy. Now he had a twin who um, was not circumcised. Mm -hmm. So they raised one as a boy and one as a girl. And David didn't know for the first few years, many years of his life that he was actually a biological boy. And he did all these studies with him, but he also um, had him and his brother, his twin brother, um, Uh, reproduce like like uh, simulate uh, sex sex acts and stuff he took photos of it he did all these different uh, as parts of his studies he was saying this needed to be done to see
1: right yeah sure yeah right
0: so that he could play act the man's role and his brother could play act the woman's role so he was actually if anybody wants to look him up he was well respected he published papers about how his research with this boy, David had proved that, you know, he proved that gender identity was, was socially constructed and it didn't all fall apart until Rolling Stone did a big piece on him. And they talked about once David was told the truth, because he had all these problems, his whole life, he was trying to figure out what was wrong and a lot of depression. Obviously they told him he, once he learned the the truth, that he was actually biologically male. um, He ended up killing himself later. And Rolling Stone did an expose and Dr. Money was one of these people who was in the, you know, in the, the roots of this belief system and in the, especially in the gender identity part of this belief system. He was well respected until yeah. there was enough uh, societal pushback to say, no, this is what this guy did. He abused this kid and
1: he mentally um, tortured this kid. And yeah, and yeah my God.
0: And I, mean, I happen to know, you'll find this interesting because you're in the yeah. entertainment world. I happen yeah. to know that um, the rights to that, David's story, because there was a book written that came out of the Rolling Stone piece.
1: Mm-hmm. that
0: They were optioned by uh, the director, Lord of the Rings director. What's his name? Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson. And mm-hmm. I think Lucasfilm. I, I'm not sure about the second one, but I know Peter Jackson had optioned the rights to that. And then they let it lapse and in, in the past few years. I think because that topic has now become,
1: oh, we can't it's, do a story about that. It's you know? And you know, I'm not surprised that Jackson did that because his he you know, he he's an interest very, he's a he's a filmmaker I tremendously admire. But his sort of breakthrough film in the West wasn't, you know, he was very good at making zombie movies in, in New Zealand, whatever, but he had his breakthrough movie was this this drama about these two teen girls, heavenly great creatures, heavenly creatures who, who killed yeah. the, the mother. One of them, you know, the the most random thing. I was, you know, when my novels were published, I was, you know, I was invited to various book conferences, or whatever. So I was, an, I, I was a speaker at the historical novels conference, and. uh, you know, one of the speakers there, and I was, ta- I was talking with her, and we were in the elevator together. And I later realized she was one of the two girls that had killed the parent. Oh, yeah. She became a novelist. She became a novelist, and she was out yeah. later. And I didn't realize that this woman I'm standing talking in the elevator had killed somebody, right? Was actually yeah. something in that movie. And I was like, okay. Okay. okay, Wow. Yeah. She killed her parents. And now she does, she writes like mystery novels. Yeah. Which, you know, (laughs) like murder mysteries, whatever. It's just like, I was like, okay, wow. Okay, That was an experience. So yeah. But, but the Jackson is a sophisticated guy that, you know, that was an Oscar nominated movie and got him suddenly who the hell is this guy? Right. And then he got Lord of the Rings out of that. So he's always been looking at these issues and uh, I think he just figured out, yeah, this is not going to be done in this generation.
0: You yeah. Know. It's just, they're too afraid anybody mm-hmm. with any status in that world is who's afraid of losing it. They're not going to touch this topic now, even though it's, it's so hard to imagine that anybody could look at the story of, of Dr. Money and somebody in super chats told me his name It's David Reimer. Mm-hmm. If yeah, anybody yeah, wants to look up I, this I, awful yeah, story. Yeah. Thank you. TPS David Reimer. Money was an entomologist, not an MD. <laughs> Are you sure? Isn't entomologist the study of insects?
1: Well, that's interesting because let's confirm that that is true. But someone made a point recently about how the woke are essentially attempting to reprogram the human mind from normal human behavior to insect behavior. Really? That, that the idea is that essentially create a queen bee and uh, worker drones and uh, and basically you have a hive mind. And that is what the woke are attempting to do. They're attempting to reprogram us as insects.
0: That's real. I, I want to talk about that with you, but I just looked it up. There's nothing about him being an entomologist here. It just right. says he's a psychologist.
1: Psychology um, of insects, which is what they're trying to <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, this was a, this was a, uh, oh yeah. So at age 15, so David mm-hmm. Reimer uh, realized mm-hmm. between the ages of nine and 11, that he was a biological man and he transitioned to living as a man at age 15. And he committed suicide after living suffering severe depression
1: um it's, it's like, terrible the whole time this poor kid's like why is this happy to me? why why did you why was this done to me right i just wanted to be like everybody i mean nobody asked for this and this this kid is it's just i mean it fills me with rage just like it fills me with rage of these kids of this next generation who are just going to be like so you raised me to be a girl when i was a boy and i had no choice in that matter because you wanted to virtue signal at an award yeah. ceremony I mean, it's yeah. going to be physically brutal when this generation yeah. wakes up. It's going to be the next 10 years is, you're going to hear these stories and it's going to be shocking.
0: There's already, for anyone who's curious, we did mm-hmm. an interview with a woman named uh, Helena who's mm-hmm. detransitioned and she told mm-hmm. us her whole experience with it and falling into it and then also coming out of it on the other side. But for anybody interested, YouTube is exploded with these stories with people who are detransitioning, a lot of them biological women yeah. and uh, they are treated so horribly by the social justice cult and by the by this very people they're, they're who are talking about yeah they're traitors so uh
1: well, you know this is this is the, this is i'm only going to talk about those who are larping within the trans community. i'm not making a, i'm not making a commentary about people who have done dysphoria i'm talking about those who are larping or using this for social purposes right mm-hmm. uh you're i'm seeing a pattern amongst the larpers uh the pattern seems to be that the men larping and pretending to be uh, you know trans women are doing that to number one get a new kind of privilege because they felt being a man is no longer privileged in, in an environment where men are constantly being you know the, it's all the man's fault right so suddenly they get that so the, the the larpers male larpers into women are doing that and then in those who are larping to become trans men my experience at least the ones i've interacted with they seem to be people these seem to be young women who feel a lack of power in their lives and so they think masculinity is power and uh and so if they adopt masculine traits and they larp into this that they will have that power that was lost and again none of these people i'm talking about people who are suffering from gender dysphoria i'm talking about people that are socially taking this on as a mantle seem to have very specific personal power issues
0: yes one of my friends told me so she (laughs) She was working, uh, I think for a while at a Starbucks or coffee place and yeah. said that a lot of the younger people there were claiming to be non-binary or trans or changing mm-hmm. genders. And so she's just like a really open-minded person and, and, yeah. and wanted to, it just likes talking to people and asking questions. And so she would ask some of them because some of them would were fluid, more than one. And they would come in and be like, I'm masculine today. My pronouns yeah, are it, it's easy. him it's and tomorrow. Easy because
1: then whatever you need to be, whatever you need to be, you're Right.
0: There. I'm feminine feminine. today. I'm she, her. And so she started asking them like, well, why are you masculine today? This is a biological, a biological woman. She was talking to Why, why are you masculine today? And the woman said, well, because I felt really, I feel really strong and confident today. And you know, like I can get a lot done. It's like, and she said, you know, I'm a woman, right? And I, I feel strong and confident. I don't have to identify as a man because I feel strong and confident.
1: Today. Yeah, I mean, like you would Bodica, the great warrior against the Romans, have thought I'm <laughs> a man when she's cutting Roman soldiers down. I mean, women, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> it's, like- yeah. it's such a
0: weird. It's like in a way, the gender identity stuff, the trans stuff and the and the LARPing part of it that you're talking about, the trendy mm-hmm. part of it. In a way, it's sort of undone. This is why it's natural enemies with the radical feminist part of social yeah. justice, which who they call yeah. the turfs because it's undone everything that they've worked to do, which is to say. There should be no gender stereotypes that women can dress however they want. They can feel to be strong and confident in, as women, not as, you know, they can, they can have any job that they want. They can play with trucks as a little girl. They can be a tomboy. And then you've got this gender identity part of the movement saying, no, if a girl does those things, then she must be a boy. Like, <laughs> and those
1: of us who are more traditional in our outlook are just watching it's like a Godzilla movie where he's taking on another Titan. It's like, just let him fight. Just let them fight. Let them take each other out. It's not our problem.
0: Which one is Mothra? <laughs> yeah, <I'm> not
1: <laughs> Mothra. It's not our problem. Let them fight. You know. <laughs> so.
0: Okay. So I let's talk about Fauci. That's something you wanted to talk yeah. about, right? Yeah. What's going on with him lately? I don't follow all the Fauci news. I didn't look uh, at so the he,
1: Fauci. Oh, you don't know? News. He he's actually there's actually a a real chance this might bring him down for the first time. So it was leaked in the last 48 hours you know we've known for some time you know there's been there's been, there's been lots of information that fauci you know that they, the nih funded that wuhan lab and its experiments and he denied it and denied denied it and more and more documents were released through the freedom of information act until last week finally the nih had to say okay yeah we did okay yeah we did finance this thing um and yeah. Fauci said, well we, you know but i didn't know about it and then and then Bandy fair ran an article this weekend saying well actually uh this was revealed to the NIH in, in April 2018 that they were doing this. So how did yeah. you not know about it? Were you not just not doing your job? And when you were asked in front of Congress, you didn't want to look at the files where the letter is there saying what they're doing. So so that but that still hasn't been enough to bring him down. Amazingly, the issue that it looks like it might bring him down is that in the last 48 hours, it was leaked and revealed that the NIH and this is going to be hard for you to hear, the NIH uh, financed studies overseas which tortured and killed puppies. Uh, horrific studies that were done, where these these puppies and there were photos of it, where these these beagles were put in. Uh, they sent they sent this to labs in Tunisia because it's illegal to do it in the U.S. So the NIH funded uh, these 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 labs where these these puppies were basically they they were they were tied up, put their heads were put in cages with these horrific um, uh, desert parasite flies. And then their vocal cords were cut so they wouldn't be able to scream. And then the the flies ate the puppies alive. What? This was done no. for some. I I, I, I know heard. because you have that. And this has exploded in the last twenty four hours. Where people, even liberals, are like, "What the fuck, right?" And so and so, it's it's now twenty four. Congress people have written a letter saying we need to know what the hell this was and what's going on with this. And this is it's the dogs that's going to bring them down. You know, the, it, it's yeah. too horrific to imagine. But I've the images are there yeah. from the lab, and you're like, and, you, and you're like, and they didn't even have they didn't have to cut the vocal cords of these poor animals. That the the researchers just did, were bothered by their screaming. They were bothered by the the dog screaming, so they cut the vocal cords. Yeah. But they the experimentation, all That's of them died. Sad. Nothing came out of it. No medicine came out of it. No thing. It was just pure torture. And as you know, serial killers start with killing dogs. They kill oh, little yeah. animals. And so this path. And so now his defenders are saying, well, he didn't know about it. I was like, well, what the hell does he know about? He's been there for Why 37 are, years. Why does he not know what's going on inside of his agency? It's what his, is his job. Story? It's his job to know about it. So it, it doesn't he matter. Doesn't know about anything. I mean, if I was like, I don't yeah. know what's going on. <laughs> it's not my fault the show's falling apart. I'm the showrunner. It's not my fault. Uh, these it's people running it. around on the set. I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I actually worked it's for a owner who, who ran things like that and then got their ass fired because like, I don't know what's going on. I was like, well, you're, so, you're still responsible, buddy. And so. So yeah, this whole oh my thing gosh, there,
0: okay, so that's why I didn't get that super chat earlier, Eric, about de yes, DeBell. I didn't know talking. this
1: story. The, the torture um, doggies thing has exploded. So for the last two days, arrest Fauci has been number one on Twitter. Twitter keeps taking it down, and it keeps reasserting itself because so many people are tweeting about it. And this is not just right wingers. This is a lot of angry pet owners. Even Peta was, Peta, which wants, which has embraced Fauci, was forced to put out this mealy mouth statement saying. The NIH should really get a director that cares about animals, but they couldn't name him and they couldn't go yeah. directly because they're part of his cult. Right. So,
0: you know, what's interesting, Tara mm-hmm. T. Give us a super chance right. says, what's sad yeah. is that more people are upset about mm-hmm. medical experimentation on dogs than the trafficking of aborted fetal mm-hmm. parts for use in medical experiments. Correct. They are. That's that, that is, that is that true. Is. More people are concerned about dogs. and And here's something I was thinking as you were telling mm-hmm. me this. Do you remember the part of uh, Jordan Peterson's book where he, his first book, uh, not his first book, sorry, his book, um, not maps of meaning, but the one that came after uh, what's it called? 12 rules for life. I don't know. I couldn't remember i
1: got that book. Yes.
0: So in that book, there's a chapter where he talks about how people are more, they care more for their pets than they do for themselves. And they filled the, he to support this, this, um, the statement he's he points to studies that show that people are more likely to fill their prescriptions for their pets and make sure they actually finish the prescription than they are for themselves like when they're Mm -hmm. sick and things like that and so it's in i think it's part of a chapter where he's telling you you should treat yourself the way you would treat a friend or something but what i was thinking about is that i think people sometimes we have a on a large scale we do this too we have more empathy for animals on a large scale than we do for humans and on the left this is especially true
1: oh this is absolutely true on the left yeah
0: the left cares more about pets and dogs than they do about humans not that they shouldn't care about dogs i just after having left the social justice world i always found it interesting that some of the people i know who are the most hateful about kids or at least would publicly say they hated kids and you know complain about them a lot and and call parents breeders and things like that they also like really love dogs
1: (laughs) Oh, you see this kind of monitor here where I live. You know, I'm always you know because I love little babies and couples are always walking by with their babies' shoulders. So I want to go wave the baby. And ninety percent of the time, it's a little doggy in the baby thing. Right? <laughs> oh, <okay>. Yes, <laughs> if there's no baby in there, okay, but nice doggy. Because <laughs> in LA, that. you know, you're you're a doggy parent. You're not an actual parent, right? So yeah,
0: <laughs> but see. I think that's something to do with if this is the if this is what brings him down. That makes sense to me in a weird way. That as a yeah. whole. Our, our country is more interested in the um experimentation on dogs than we are about them funding research into back coronaviruses to make them more uh deadly People and more contagious for humans.
1: that he wants to do this to little kids but yeah. they're outraged about this so i'm like well whatever takes this clown down whatever yeah. puts him in the hall of villainy for history i'll take it right mm-hmm. you know you know and there it's I'm going to give a mystical thing here Carter would freak out about this but you know I actually <laughs> post I posted this on social media uh and I just took it down because I think it, it it weirded people out because it's just something they didn't understand so I'm going to weird people out here on a yeah. safe space. So you know I went back and found articles about Fauci back from the AIDS epidemic in the 80s right and what's fascinating is then He he was a villain back then, too. He was doing the same stuff. He was just, like, saying nonsense that wasn't true, you know, and that was, like, getting people killed and promoting weird experimental stuff like ACT that was getting people killed. He hasn't Mm -hmm. changed. This guy's got one modus operandi in 40 years, right? But what was fascinating is this. Go back to these early articles. In the 80s, he was being called a saint. This is a specific word. You keep hearing, like, people in Hollywood say Fauci's a saint. You've heard that phrase, right? Mm -hmm. Fauci is a saint. I'm like, this is a seated. Word that goes back four decades. I don't hear about any other bureaucrat, even in the medical field, being called a saint. Why are the news articles from the 80s and the Reagan era calling him a saint? Why are people that are attacking him saying he's not a saint? Why is this word being used? And I realize they've been setting him up in the media to be a an arbiter of truth as a religion. Right. And yes. so that whatever, that's why he can change whatever he says in 24 hours and you go with it because it's the new papal bull. Right. And you just mm-hmm. go with where it is now. Right. So yes. he's, he becomes a prophet of truth. He was being set up for this in the 80s to be a prophet of truth, uh, that whatever he says is the truth, even if it contradicts what he said 48 hours ago. And yeah. I was like, this has been done for him. He's been chosen for this role by whatever shadowy forces you want to say, you know, that are behind a lot of these things. But the media has been using this phrase only for him for 37 years. So as someone who is a Sufi and, you know, in in Sufism, we have what you would call saints, but they're just called friends of God, friends of God, people who are close to God, uh, holy people. I'm like, you know, this guy has been co-opting the concept of saints and holy people for 40 years. And on a spiritual level, I'm like, this guy is, is, it's like, he's literally a false prophet and he's mocking God by proclaiming himself a saint. And so I'm like, God's going to balance this guy out. He's going to end as one of the greatest villains in history, up with Mengele, because he has been not only been doing these things, Mengele didn't proclaim himself a saint. Mengele said to the end, I just did what was scientifically necessary. There was no morality to it. But he's proclaimed himself a saint. So he's mocking God. And so to Mm -hmm. me, I was like, well, God's going to balance that out. And I think that process is beginning.
0: Yeah, that's that's (laughs) I had not heard the saint language, but it doesn't surprise Mm -hmm. me because I've seen them do that with other figures and you know, you've probably seen the photos where they will purposefully take pictures of politicians it's like a blah, halo behind them. Yeah. And if anybody has any of those pictures, put them in the telegram chat because I'm sure they there have been photos that like that of Fauci that they've taken and put out there, put out okay. there. I, in fact, I think I remember one, but yeah, the other thing he said, aside from being a saint though, that I do remember he said he's the science.
1: He is science itself. He is yeah, and so I had an argument with with a, a fellow Muslim who didn't like something I posted on Facebook. He's he's like, I said, basically, I was angry that so many Muslims were still supporting Fauci because they're just, they, again, they just want to fit in. They just want to be liked. And they just, they're like, they're not, they just, like everybody else just going to fit in. But I, for me as a Muslim, I got really upset by that. I was like, this is idolatry. You can't question this guy. And then a Muslim guy said, brother, idolatry is a very specific kind of sin in Islam. It's not right for you to project this onto, you know, having too much uh, a, a faith on one person. I said, if you can't question the guy, it's idolatry. If he is proclaiming that he is science itself, that he is the fount of all knowledge, well, that's only God. In in the in Islam, we, God is El Alim, the All Knowing. So he's proclaiming himself to be El Alim. He's proclaiming himself to be the All Knowing when he is the science. So is that is not that not a guy raising himself up as yes. God? that's idolatry. Yeah.
0: It is idolatry. I see. It all. It's it's amazing how much you and I agree on. <laughs> Given yeah. our different belief systems. Well, we're but... we're, we're
1: Abrahamic. We're we're a lot closer than, than a lot. Yeah. of yeah. yeah.
0: Um so I just want to read a couple of things in the yeah. chat. These yeah. are, let's see, this is a super chat from Colin. He says, A great movie about Fauci's crimes is D- uh, Dallas Buyers Club. Have you seen that movie?
1: I have not seen the movie. A lot of my friends really enjoyed the movie. I should go see that movie. I do not know that Fauci was addressed in there. Uh you know, I'll have to see that movie so I haven't seen, it. I can't comment, but but obviously, it's about it's about dealing with the early AIDS epidemic and, and dealing with how people's lives were destroyed by mismanagement of it. And so, I hope I don't know if Fauci was even anyone. The chat can tell us was Fauci named in that, or was it just a f- explanation of how the medical community acted? I time?
0: saw that movie when it first came out, and I can't okay. remember because I didn't know who he was until this whole thing. I like you. I've been recently reading mm-hmm. some of the old yeah. stuff about his involvement um, okay. during the the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, TPS says Fauci focused on. Vaccine to the detriment of AZT, and then AH says AH says Fauci denied the modern cocktail and only wanted AZT for AIDS treatment. There's a YouTuber I mentioned before. If you guys want to go down this rabbit hole, um, and his name is Jamie Deluxe D L U X, and he's been doing a lot of videos on Fauci, the AIDS crisis. He's he dug up a lot of old um, pieces of press from the library and he's he's put them in there plus uh, video clips. Yeah. Of, of different people talking about him and what a
1: liar he is. Um, well, you know, think about us. For those of us who are Generation X, look at how our lives are bookended. What are the two things that we remember? I remember my teen years, all was about HIV, AIDS, you know, immunodeficiency. And now here we are again, four yep. years later, immunodeficiency, right? It's like a nice full circle, almost if it's a, it's a plan, full circle, right? So
0: Yeah. Pirate Tomsky says, people are posting pictures of their dogs on Twitter with the comment, Mark safe from Fauci. Fauci lied. Dogs died.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and, but the, uh, look, I yeah. think I think this is this is going to accelerate. There's someone uh, that's a very interesting, seemingly crazy but brilliant guy that I actually sent a link to you once. Uh, a guy named Cliff High on the web, and he's a very interesting former programmer who's like one of these like sort of genius savant types, right? And he years ago developed programming. He he's of the, of the theory that human beings, you know. Are, are essentially sort of a little psychic without realizing it and that, that our ability to see the future is collectively revealed in our language. That's an interesting theory he's got. So he developed all these computer systems years ago, like 20 years ago, where he would look at social media language and then use that to predict things that were going to come. And a lot of these things happened. Like he predicted okay. that there would be a virus that would be named after the sun based on language. He put that back in t- 2010, like ten. Right, and so ten years later, he said, right around 2020, based on the language I'm seeing, there's going to be a Solaris virus, which is you know, you know, we've got Corona, right, the the sun, and so he's like, so he predicted, it. and so what's fascinating is, so using those old analysis, like these some of these are over a decade old, he predicted uh, that uh, starting on October 24th there would be a major emotional crisis for the country that w- that would lead to a major resolution on the 28th. I was like, well, those are very specific dates, and so the 24th is when the Fauci, everyone's united over Fauci killing the dogs, right? And it's becoming oh, wow. so you should look him up. Wait, he, what's his crazy. name? Cliff High, C-L-I-F-H-I-T-H, and he's got he's got a bit channel, and it's got a lot of it's gonna sound crazy because you know he's like he where did he get this idea? You know, he did, you know again, he's a he's he's this weirdo savant computer scientist, but also he said, How did I even get this idea of it? Is because you know, 40 years ago I did DMT, like I, I took ayahuasca and I had this visionary experience that made me understand how human beings are actually psychic. So mm-hmm. He might be a nut, but so far his nuttiness is predicting a lot of things that are happening. <laughs> you know, It's Look, really amazing.
0: You're talking to someone who spent 20 years with the social justice world. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's so funny. Like I'll check out someone who's crazy just to develop my own opinion because like, I hung out with crazy people for two decades. I was one of them.
3: <laughs> like,
0: and you don't know you're in a
1: cult. <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> Everyone else is crazy except
0: me, <laughs> Right. I mean, think about what they teach you. And it took me can you it took me two decades to figure out that it was wrong. They were like, we should treat people differently on the basis of race and sex to somehow end racism and sexism. That 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 doesn't make any sense. You know, they're like things that that now, objectively looking at it, I can say that's insane. But I also get why people Get pulled into that stuff. Cameron, do you know the
1: stuff that you posted about how they all these news articles are coming out saying don't use reason, use emotion? Like (laughs) they're coming out of the last few days. It's like, stop doing fact checking. In fact, stop using logic. This isn't the time for logic. This is the time for emotion. Like, that's really bad advice. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) Have do you know anybody who um believes in the QAnon stuff? Yeah, I mean, I've I've interacted with them and I've gone to some of these QAnon things. I have my own. So if there's QAnon followers, forgive me. I'm of the view that that specific thing is was an intel trap to try to gather all the, the Trump people and, you know, and uh, and identify them. And, and also to and I said this actually the very first time I came on when Carter was here on, on Space Space, I said this was all about, in my view, an effort by the intelligence organizations to make people relaxed and satisfied. There's a big cosmic plan here. You know the military intelligence has it all worked out. You don't need to do nothing. You don't need to fight against Gavin Newsom. Just sit home. It's all the end has already been done. It's like that's not good advice.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) So are taking over. It's not good advice.
0: Yeah. I actually, it's interesting because for a while, you know, just like they they call anybody who's not in the social justice cult, they call them alt right and Nazi and whatever and. For a while, we were being, every once in a while, somebody would say we're Q or something. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know what that is. I don't even, I haven't had time to look into it. I don't even know where to find it online. But eventually, a few months ago, I did my research and I Mm -hmm. a little bit of research and I I watched the HBO documentary. And um, I don't know if it was an Intel trap or not, but that makes sense to me that it could have been. Uh, I definitely think that guy Code Monkey in the documentary ended up taking Mm -hmm. over for Q, Mm
1: But here's what surprised well, me. He, he's not. He's an interesting guy, though. I don't think he's a Qer. He's certainly got his own ways of doing things. But Q to me isn't an, an intel op. That's what I think it is. Yeah. Well, now it
0: hasn't gone away. They've just like moved. All these different Q people are all over the place now, and some and of them being are co-opted
1: by different groups.
0: Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I know a person in real life who believes yeah. all that stuff, and it's just like you said. What well, he believes absurd things, which from the outside mm-hmm. looking at it you're like that's crazy how can you believe yeah. that but you have to think about someone who's been buying that stuff slowly on a drip for however many however long it's been over a year yeah. right and and they they don't start none of these things start with the crazy beliefs they kind of build up to that it's that the, boiling frog thing yeah. and so the people that like him i guess who still believe all this stuff they do believe they do believe he's like don't worry everything's
1: taken care of like yeah. Trump is still in control, and He's still the president. You know, yes. Clarence Thomas swore him in, and you know, it's, it's it's an entire mythology. Yeah. Yes, it's a whole mythology, and they believe this. They believe that
0: that there have been secret uh, tribunals at Guantanamo Bay, and that they believe that certain people have been. Oh no, like, they believe Hillary
1: Clinton is dead. They uh, yes. Do you you want to know the crate? I, I, I should be promoting them, but the craziest website that has co-opted Q. And it is literally okay. taking them because, and you eventually realize well, this guy's got a PayPal, so he just wants people to give him a lot of money. But he's brilliant how he's mm-hmm. done it. So the craziest website out there is realrawnews.com. You know I'm gonna look Raw. this up. You don't know, stuff. <laughs> and you go there, and it's all about you know uh, the you'll see it. You go there. Real Raw News is you know, Hunter Biden. Their most recent article: Hunter Biden was hung at Guantanamo last week. Really. Yeah, I gotta yeah. check this out. Okay, and Bill, Bill, Libby. Bill Hello. And Hi. go to details of the trial. Hi, how
0: are you? Hi, hey. Libby, Libby Evans. You came in at a really interesting point. I'll tell you what we're talking <laughs> about in a second. But uh, please meet Cameron Pasha. I don't think you guys know each other. Do you? I don't
1: think we have met before. Nice to meet you. Pleasure yeah. to meet you, Libby, and, and uh, delighted to have a playwright on board and a, and a fellow writer. I'm I'm a screenwriter myself, and so oh, it's, how
2: about that? It's gonna, it's all yeah,
1: good. I don't
2: I don't tend to write plays anymore, which is sort of too bad, but. Let me get
3: my AirPods. Yeah, please. Cool. On, here there we go. While oh, well, right she's here. doing that. Yeah. Sorry.
2: Yeah, you know
0: I'm going to have to look this side up now because now that I did go down the rabbit hole and tried to, tried to get an opinion on what it Q is now, now I'm fascinated by what they believe, the ones who are
1: still believers. So well, I'll well, have the, to read more. <laughs> so, Libby, we we're, were talking about the QAnon phenomena and my belief that that is that is an intelligence operation meant to essentially co-opt people. You know, you know who are dissatisfied with the way things are, and and give them sort of a false reality that they, they can be secure in, it and then they won't be any kind of threat. And now that that essentially the Q operation has been shut down, because you notice the last Q post was right after the the the, the, the Trump election situation last year, and then it just stopped. And so then all these. Wait, did you groups, see
2: the uh, Did you see the HBO documentary about
1: it? We were I just did. talking about. That. I had not seen it. Yeah.
2: Oh. Okay. I, yeah, saw it. I just saw. I saw that too. It seemed like a total fabrication. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it is.
1: But but I believe, it's and an people lean operation.
2: on that, right? And then like you have people like Rachel Maddow and others leaning into that, saying, "Look at these crazy people. They're so obviously deranged Correct. and terrible and insane." And it's like, I, I I've been doing <clears throat>
1: mm-hmm.
2: I've been doing conservative media, I guess, since mm-hmm. early two thousand nineteen uh, at sort of in a full time way. I've never met anybody who thinks this stuff is real.
0: Oh, I did. I just met one. That's why really? I saw Cameron. Yes, I've I know even, someone. That-
2: I've even met like pastafarians, but I've never met. <laughs> <laughs> you is
1: going to go into pastafarians eventually. He's going to.
2: Right. He's looking for
1: religion, even though he denies it. He'll, he'll join.
2: them. He, you think Biden's looking for religion? Well, the Catholics are very displeased with Biden. He's like the worst. Well, guy I, I, I was talking about ever. the, the We that- only had two, but.
1: No, I'll talk about Carter Laren, who is the normal co-host. Here. I'm just a filler. Yeah, co-host. oh, I see. But, uh, yeah, Carter and I, because I'm a religious Muslim, and Carter is a proud atheist, and we've had this conversation about spirituality a lot. So, I like yeah,
0: okay. Um, well, I do know someone, Libby, who told me what, like, he believes now, which is that sort of like everything's okay. Uh, there's a shadow government that is secretly taking care of everything. The good guys are in charge, and he, view, he Trump, is a good guy in his world. So he's like, Trump is still president. He's been sworn in. They are having secret tribunals and Guantanamo Bay, and they and and they're executing people. Like uh, they believe that Hillary Clinton is dead. They believe that these are all um, doubles, like Biden is a double and
2: weird. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. The, and the thing <laughs> I would say to all of the people who have these mad conspiracy theories is like, uh, no one's really smart enough to pull all that off. You know what I mean? Well, like the yeah. people who yeah. are supposedly who've supposedly done that and have who've like, gone to all the best schools and everything. Mm-hmm. We know these people, they're not they're not any better at pulling off a whole massive, crazy thing well, than anybody else. And I would add
1: to that, why, why do we need to have this level of conspiracy? We're living in a world conspiracy right yes. now that's being poorly managed, so all of us kind of figured out, man, maybe the story isn't real that we're being told. Yeah, it's right? not. If it was so brilliantly right. done, we'd all be like, oh, I'll put this thing in my arm and do this to my kids. And yeah. I, I so were like, wait a minute, there's clearly a bunch of people conspiring, but they're not that good at it. It's the wrong answer. know what out. I- They're
2: I- not good at
0: it. You know what I think, Cameron? Is what you're saying is it it um, it, it placates people or it pacifies them? It's mm-hmm. this feeling of I don't have to be alarmed about this actual dystopia we're in because they're you know they're secretly everything is safe. Someone's coming in to rescue us, and I just and, and to, and nothing
1: is true like, on the news. Hillary Clinton is dead. You know, yeah. they, uh, you know they, they you know they yeah. I think Burks, who was Fauci's, like you know cohort last year she's been arrested right how, there was I, I read an article her? on that website about how Did, supreme court like... has been arrested they're all arrested so there's nothing to worry about it's just a you're just being shown a movie on tv nothing's actually happening i'm like but i'm living in la and i can't go into this store and i can't do this i gotta do that but it's all part of the movie i'm like well i don't like this movie i didn't buy a ticket for this movie <laughs> i don't want to be in this movie
2: yeah i don't uh
1: <laughs> i don't
2: know anything about that you're like i got
0: <laughs> <That's> nothing insane <laughs> like... um I'm really happy you guys are meeting each other because you each, as Cameron mentioned, he looked you up. I think he was like, oh, we're having a playwright. And I told him you had sort of your own cancellation that happened. I know you've shared it before, Would you, but would you mind giving him like the overview of what happened to you? Oh,
2: sure. Yeah. So uh, essentially, um, I was canceled by non-binary lesbians. <laughs> okay. How are they they're les- les- they're and they're lesbians? They're not right. lesbians.
1: So that's a creative—that's me- right. a creative meld. I like it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's quite a thing, right? No. So basically, what happened was I had done all this research into transhumanism, which I yeah. found really fascinating. And part of why and I find scary. it fascinating and really, <laughs> and really scary and all of those things is because I find it really attractive, right? I'm very mm-hmm. drawn okay. into this. Okay. Um, this idea of human human beings. Uh, working to manifest their own evolution through technology it's wild i'm into science fiction i'm a huge trekkie all of that right so i'm like fascinated by it so i started doing all of this research and i discovered and zoltan eastbahn i interviewed him at one point uh then i lost the interview so i could never publish it which that sucks. um uh, it's in here somewhere in this computer Um, Anyways, so I had been working on this research. I pitched a story to Colette about Mm -hmm. undercurrents of transhumanism in Western culture, because basically the transhumanist idea answers the Cartesian question about the mind-body split. And it says, yes, there is a split between mind and body. Your mind can be one thing and your body can be something else. Your mind can be exactly as it is and your body can be a robot dog, right? Mm -hmm. Anything is possible. Your mind has nothing to do with your body. Uh, and so I started looking at other things that are like that. AI human integration, Elon Musk's mm-hmm. Neuralink, very yeah. similar uh, idea that the brain and the body are a or dis- disconnected entities. And you can uh, download
1: the brain technically. You into can the, download the corner corner brain and
2: somehow still immortal. be you even without the human body. And here I am yes. as a playwright and as an mm-hmm. artist, mm-hmm. my constant uh, sort of mission or question, mm-hmm. my constant question was, what does it mean to be a human being? How are we meant to live with one another? You know, these big these big idea questions, that's what I was yeah. interested in. So I'm looking at transhumanism and I'm saying, what does it mean to be a human being? And I had read at some point ages ago, that, uh, and then I could never find it again, of course, but that one of the roots of the word human was actually some ancient Greek word meaning to bury. And I thought if part of being human is to be buried, then part of being human is having a body. What does this mean? So I looked at AI human integration, um, body hacking, where people can, you know, you can swap out your arms for better arms, like Oscar Pistorius or people most commonly have been doing these party tricks, they're like, get a magnet in their hand or they'll do an RFID chip in their hand so they can just open their garage door, you know, without the key. Yeah, this kind of thing. And I was like, that's fascinating. And of course, transgender ideology, which says you can actually be born in a body that is sexed differently from your brain. So what does that mean? Are brains sexed? And if brains are sexed, are they sexed before hormones wash over them or afterward? How does that work? right? And now so, okay. we have the
1: technology to adjust it, right? Before that right. might have been part of the human right. condition that you have this thing and you feel this but there's nothing you can do about it, right? Maybe you change the way you dress, but you now we have the actual ability to chop off body parts and recreate other things, right? I worked I worked on the bionic woman so I dealt with this like thing. Oh okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> yes. Yeah. but yeah, so but now we have that's up. transhumanism. Now we can change it. Right. Now we can actually change right.
2: it. Right. So I wrote this up and uh, eventually the theater community got wind of this article. It was in Quillette and they thought that i was saying that transgender people are freakish robot people and um, obviously like i'm the most horrible person in the entire universe so yeah so basically i got kicked out of my feminist theater collective that i founded um
1: you founded it get out of here
2: and we i mean to be fair right to be fair we had already been arguing we needed a composer for this this musical Mm -hmm. that we were doing that we had this grant for um, and we needed a composer. And I was saying, let's make sure we get a woman composer because we're like this feminist theater collective. And they were like, well, woman or woman identified. And I was like, well, how about, how about just, just actually a woman? <laughs> 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 as opposed to someone who identifies as a woman. You know, cause like all I could invent- envision honestly was like some white man in a dress walking in my rehearsal room Being like, we're gonna do it this way. And well, that's exactly what Dave DeBell
1: is talking about in his special. That's what I said. Dave Dave DeBell's like, my problem isn't with trans people. My problem is with white people and all these white men that suddenly, well, I'm a white woman now, so you can't say nothing to me, right?
2: Right. (laughs) Right. And it seems so clear that, (laughs) pardon me for trying to get canceled twice, but it seems so clear that, like, white men who grow up, into their thirties or whatever, and decide that they're actually chicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just want access to the new victimization power structure. we were talking about and that. Once half you an say, hour. Yes, and like that's the deal. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, now I'm a female, even though <laughs> become very clearly situated differently.
1: Well, um, the, the exact, give me exactly all the power
2: the, and shut the well, fuck up, right? Like that's what they say. Yep.
1: Yeah, the exact that, example is the one that Chappelle, Chappelle yeah. has been attacked by the loudest voice in Hollywood right now is the, the showrunner of, uh, or the former showrunner of, uh, you know, that show, Dear uh, white, white People, people right? Dear White People. And then right. people were shocked to discover that the show that's supposed to be about the black experience is actually written by a white trans <laughs> right. woman, right? And, and so, and this was someone who transitioned like a year ago. Right? Less than a and year so, ago. Like, a, yeah. said he like was a white man in January of this year and is now a white woman. And so it's just like, this is the person that led the, is leading the crusade yeah. against, I lipstick like, this is what I was five talking about. Minutes this ago, dude.
2: and now I'm in charge of everything, and I'm oppressed. Like, <laughs> exactly. and I'm exactly not even it. out there. And it's funny, like a year, like at some point, it's time has no meaning. At some point within the last like two or so years, <laughs> I, got a, I got a hate speech violation on Facebook for an article i wrote called um why do white women suck oh why do white women suck and i got a hate speech violation and i was like i'm a white woman they yeah, like being told allowed. they suck they're apparently all masochists they just they will want to hear terrible they will things do that them. they want to sign up for thousand dollar workshops to hear about how bad they are Really, they just because they they expunge the
1: sin that way, and then they can retain the privilege afterwards. The sin has been cleansed, right through through the workshop. uh, It's the the
2: literal buying of indulgences. That's exactly what this is.
1: Yes, we are living in a world where religion was taken out, so we're creating this crappy new religion that doesn't really work.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: The uh, you're getting getting a hate speech violation for that, though. Is like that's the selective double standard because. They it can say funny. that in seriousness, like all day long. I saw someone a couple of days ago on Twitter who is a blue check mark, uh, and he legitimately has coined a racist term for white people. He calls us snow roaches. He trademarked it, and Wait, he <laughs> says he calls white people snow roaches
1: and is is that like snow bunnies in the, in the porn (laughs) community, the white girls that only date black guys? I mean, that's like the uh, snow. I
0: think it's a way of calling us an insect that is hard to exterminate. And he says in his bio that he's a snow roach exterminator. And this guy, none of his tweets come down. I mean, he's basically using genocidal language and racist language, but none of that stuff comes down. But if you're a wrong thinker who says something uh, uh, with satire, like the problem with all white women, they're like, ah,
1: hate his speech against women I mean, you know or white, white women correct he's a white no girl? he's a black
0: man he's, he's a black, black man. man
1: okay okay all right snow roaches T N. has a little got tired of the snow bunny porn i don't know I mean, so,
2: <laughs> that's actually so. pretty funny snow roach because there's a there's a lot of um a lot of white people don't hang out anywhere near snow right <laughs> i, I know guess that's ski. just I don't know. an assumption <laughs>
0: You know these stereotypes that are uh, that used to be a part of. Speaking of Dave Chappelle, yes. used to be able to before social justice became so mainstream. It was sort of like there were jokes you could do about white culture or black culture or white foods or um, you know Hispanic foods or Asian clothing or whatever, and it was sort of uh, this give and take. It was a brief period, maybe in the like the '90s, and now you're at this place where it's sort of Well, you can still do all that, but only about anybody in the oppressor group. So we can do these jokes about white people. And and then beyond jokes, you can coin terms like snow roach. It's fine. But how dare you? You can't say anything about. All I
1: can say is that some of my more radical friends in the Muslim community are looking at this and going, Man, this whole Western civilization is ripe for the picket, man. We can take the whole thing from these clouds. <laughs> but it's like, not, I mean, gonna, it's you, not you, just, just gonna, that. No like, jihad necessary. We'll just take all of it.
2: <laughs> so is so is Putin. So is Xi Jinping. Yeah. Yeah. We're killing ourselves. We're cutting ourselves off at the knees. Western culture was so great. You yeah. know, I mean it was like such a brilliant thing. And now we're destroying it. Um after After using it to attain middle class status for pretty much all Americans, somehow that's wrong. After using it to um, lift people out of poverty globally, somehow that's wrong.
3: You know, everything
2: good that we invent, we say is bad. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. Well, this
1: is this was the greatest country on earth with all of its mm-hmm. flaws and all of its history and all of the blah blah, right? Because so I was born in Pakistan, I came to here Brooklyn, New York when I was three years old, and I've seen much. I've traveled to like twenty five countries. I traveled to much of liberal Europe. I'm like. There's more racism I've experienced as a Muslim guy in Britain and France than I've ever experienced in the United States, right? More open bigotry in those allegedly progressive, uh, you know, immigrant-accepting cultures. And I've had this incredible opportunity coming from a struggling immigrant family to becoming a filmmaker in Hollywood and publishing novels and doing stuff that my, people from Pakistan are like, you are living my dream life, brother. And it's just like, this country gave me that, and then I have to live to watch this country destroy itself. Yeah,
2: so. yeah I really hate it. <laughs> The other thing, too, that I think is interesting is um, you talk about you came here when you were three. Yeah. I've been here my whole life. My yeah. The last immigrants in my family were, um, you know, other than people who were adopted.
1: You're back. We, we lost your – we can't
3: hear you.
0: Uh We lost your audio, Libby. can you. Can
3: you not uh, hear me? This, oh,
2: yeah, you're back? back. you're back.
3: Okay. Yeah,
2: you're back. Just say something real quick.
1: Yeah, I thought the system yeah. didn't want you to say whatever you were going to say.
0: She's about to defend American principles. <laughs> Quick, cut the microphone. Um,
2: yeah, so my last immigrant ancestors were like over 100 years ago from Italy and Norway, respectively. And mm-hmm. their main, they, their big goal was to assimilate. My yeah. great-grandmother, Borkild loved the country so much, you couldn't say anything bad about America around her. She would get angry with you she was an mm-hmm. old lady, you know, she was like yeah. in her eighties. Same, same with my Nona, same with my mm-hmm. grandparents. You know, my grandfather was an engineer off the GI bill after world war II, you know, all of this stuff. And yeah. they loved the country. They wanted to be American. My grandfather who was Italian changed his last name to enable in, in order to get work in Michigan, where he lived, where he, you know, ended up. So, now, the, the message that we give immigrants is that they don't need to assimilate. And I don't understand that. Like, if we mm-hmm. have a value system in the United States, if we have founding documents that we mm-hmm. abide by and revere and believe in, then why is it wrong to suggest to immigrants that they assimilate to American values and American culture? You know, the idea is bring your culture, uh, take on this new culture. And let's merge them together, right? And, and mean, it's worked,
1: and it has worked. And it works.
2: It was, like, what do we do? I'm here, with, Muslim what do we do guy. in America? Right? Yeah. What do we do with international I've cuisine? Got my thing going we on, but I fit it. in totally with America. Yeah, we add salt, we add sugar, we supersize it, we make it American. Yeah, and and, and but you know, and, and I don't know why we keep doing that now.
1: Well, but the thing is, this I do believe, and I, I've said this before on Unsafe Space. I do believe this idea that the left, the particularly the woke left. Has that this new wave of immigrants that they're shipping in from the Muslim world, Africa, you know, uh, Latin America is going to be on their side. I'm like, I don't think so, man. Because I'm seeing all these people like coming here, like, what's wrong with all these gender weirdos in this country? I want to bring back (laughs) traditional values that my (laughs) umbrella, right? And so it's like, and now we're seeing Latinos are like rising up against Newsom and Latinos are joining the Republican Party. So, like, you know, it's just like, The people you think you're bringing here to wipe out the white culture, they're going to restore traditional values in a generation because they're like, what is this crap? I didn't come here for this crap. Do you
2: think that is part Um, of the goal, you guys? Do you like – I know Tucker Carlson talks about that a lot, that this is like a population replacement. Do you think that's an intentional goal? It is, but it's not going to play out.
1: It it is. That is the goal. I believe it is to – I believe the goal of the woke is to replace European-descended people in this country with people they believe they can control. Right, but they don't understand the people that they're bringing here are people that are not actually in line with their value system. So
0: I think I think that's part of it. I think, like you said, people that they can control is what's it's very important there because it's people that they can, with no uh, roots to America's founding and the principles that America was built on and the Mm -hmm. principles of of individual sovereignty and liberty, then there's this idea that I think they can import a population that's that has grown up as a first generation American, fully dependent on the government,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like fully dependent on and believing that that's the government's role is to give you whether it's a basic income or have you stand in a bread line or, mm-hmm. you know, everything comes from the, the government is the hand that gives and takes away. And which, I think they, is, do, they do well, want a dependent the, the population.
1: But I don't see that here. Like in California, in Los Angeles, we have a very large Mexican population, right? And they're the hardest working entrepreneurial people I've ever met. They're not here for a handout. And they're not getting it, right? The handouts are going to my rich Hollywood colleagues in the form of various ways to helping out their studio and keeping it functioning. I mean, the handouts are going to there. So this, this whole plan, which is a plan, hasn't been properly thought out. And we're seeing that on a practical level. We're seeing this whole thing. Hollywood, which I work in, is promoting this Latinx thing. And every single Latino I've met, including the ones working hard, were like, "What is this Latinx crap?" I'm a Latino, right? right? And it, there's a real resistance to this effort to make them into the woke robots that they thought they would be.
0: They thought they would be. I think. I think you're right. It's actually. It's interesting. I was at the uh, rodeo here in Texas the other night, and this cowboy. I can't remember. I, he overheard me saying something about secession because we just read Texas, and he said. Uh, what we need to do, he just starts talking to me. He's like, we need to build a wall, but not between us and Mexico, around the rest of the state. He's like, I mm-hmm. want to partner up with Mexico.
1: I'm like, great.
2: <laughs> you know, it's so- Santa no.
1: Ana was right.
2: Santa Ana yeah. was right. <laughs> it's interesting, though, what you say about the government um, providing so much. I was talking to a woman, Amer- an American woman who had lived in Norway for a long time. And she said that what happens after a while once the government provides so much is that the voters start to think that they have a say in everyone's life. So for example, the government provides a lot in terms of childcare and tax credits for children and things like that. And now the voters think that they have a say in how parents raise their children. Correct. And that's certainly not something that I want in the United States. I want less government interference in my life across the board. There was also something that happened um, back in the Obama years when the ACA was passed, and it was passed with a mandate. I don't know if you guys remember this, but the first iteration of the ACA had a requirement that people had to buy health insurance. So you either had to have it through your employer or something else, or you had to pay for it. And if you didn't buy um, an approved plan, then you were fined or you had extra taxes or something like Mm -hmm. that of Mm $1,500 at the end of the year which if you can't afford health insurance, which is $500 a month, um, let's say you make too much to afford that and uh, you make too much to get the subsidy and not enough to actually be able to afford that, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, let's say you live in Brooklyn, New York and you pay a ridiculous Mm -hmm. rent, you make a reasonable wage, but your health insurance is like really expensive. So, if you do if you can't afford health insurance my point is the fifteen hundred dollars is really excessive so there was this mandate <clears throat> at the time i worked with a ton of artists in new york most of whom are broke as shit right so you're a broke ass artist you at this point once you're a college educated artist you're choosing that lifestyle you're choosing to be broke and to pursue your art and sure that's your choice you're mm-hmm. making trade-offs up to you go mm-hmm. for it right you would get to decide what to prioritize in your own life. And I remember talking to people about the ACA and saying, I'm opposed to the ACA. And they said, but people need health insurance. And I was like, yes, but there's this mandate and we're all gonna have Mm -hmm. to fork over this cash to either buy a plan or we're gonna have to take some different kind of job so we can get insurance or we're gonna have to pay this out. And they were like, well, I'm not gonna have to do that. And I was like, yeah, you, you are gonna be mandated by the government to do the thing that you want other people to do Mm -hmm. and there was this total disconnect the idea was all those other people need health insurance so let's make it mandatory but it's not going to impact me Correct. Um, and i think that kind of thing is still going on you know a lot of people think the latinx thing is garbage but they Mm -hmm. put up with it because they think that it's right for other people Mm -hmm. you know yeah. Um, well, it's, I, it's I, like I, what's going I, yeah. on with all
1: these health mandates right now, you know, right. and the way that the 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 evil genius of everything they've done from masks to, you know, this jab and whatever has always been about, it's not about you, it's about the other person. You don't wear the mask for right. you, you're it for the other person. You don't take a jab for you, which makes no sense whatsoever. But no, it's this it's whole, okay. but it's communist ideology that you have to give up everything for the greater good. But like, but like, nobody's getting any right. of this greater good. Except and now they the talking guys about- Yeah.
2: And they're talking now about mandating Eric Adams, who's the leading candidate for mayor in New York to replace garbage mayor, Bill de Blasio. He's in favor of mandating vaccines like Newsom did for school children. Uh, They're about to approve this this vaccine for under 12 year olds. And I heard on the radio this morning on NPR, Mm -hmm. some doctor who was advocating for um, mandatory vaccines for Little kids was saying it's to protect their loved ones.
3: The I only want to kid. protect my
2: kid. I want to protect my kid. I'm fine. I got a vaccine.
1: Yeah. My
2: kid, who is, you know,
1: who's a, at almost zero is, risk from this based on the age. At zero risk. Yeah. Yeah. He's
2: been fine this whole time. He, uh, you know, he's a chunky 11 year old kid. Yeah. Uh, he really doesn't need to get vaccinated.
3: Yeah, he yeah, and, need and, it. Now,
1: and now and the you're risks, beginning to see in, there's risks, yeah. Well, in VAERS, you started seeing now the horrible reports and, mm-hmm. and VAERS coming of 13 year olds having heart attacks, right? I mean, um, it, right. It's which
0: right? I'll caution you. And for anybody who's not aware who maybe stumbled on our channel, I still run into people who have no idea about the censorship that happens. Hey, if you're a normie and you're watching us by accident, YouTube will take down videos where you even mention this stuff. Right, we had a I'm video not. taken down just because. I won't name any specifics other than to say we had a round table of regular people who wanted to come on the show and share their stories of their jobs mandating the jab. Mm-hmm. And some of them had medical exemptions that were not being observed that were completely disregarded. They had medical reasons why their doctor had told them not to take the jab and it didn't matter. And so just talking about their choices that were, they were being presented with or the lack of choice. That video was taken down. We got a 30 day strike. So it's like on every day. I will be careful
1: what I say now. I followed that. That's okay.
0: But that was in regards to kind of like adverse effects stuff. I think that people started talking about the possibility. You can't even talk about the possibility of, or there have been reports of we're sort of in this place on YouTube where, uh, and on Facebook where they just, it's always evolving. Just like Fauci's opinion on what we should do. Fauci's always changing what he's saying. And the same thing on YouTube. It's like, one day you can't talk about this thing. Well, hey, now the cathedral said that it that it actually maybe did happen. So now you can talk about it. But before it was considered conspiracy theory, that was but now so it's so
2: frustrating yeah. with the lab leak yeah. thing, because so yes. as soon as Biden was inaugurated, Glenn Kessler, who is the Washington Post fact checker, put out a report saying, huh, maybe the lab leak theory has some credibility. And he went through a list of all of the reasons why now it had credibility. On that list, I kid you not, on that list was Biden got elected. It was actually on the list. Uh, that was on the actual list. I wrote that up. I was so horrified. That was on that was on the list. Now you we've, got, we've got
1: mature adults that can actually look at the whatever. I mean, or or just we can. A major producer said this. We had dinner just a few nights ago. Big shot, uh, you know, a showrunner on a TV show, really nice guy, but he's part of the Hollywood mainstream, blah, blah, blah. And he's saying to me, well, you know, Biden's kind of not worked out, but, you know, it's so much better than Trump. And I know that, uh, you know, we had to go swing the pendulum pretty far just to get rid of Trump. And maybe it's gone a little too far, right? But it's all about that Biden's just the right guy. So we can now tell the truth now that he's there.
0: I always wonder what they mean by that. It's so much Mm -hmm. better now. How?
2: I feel For like it's so much it. worse. It's so much worse, and all of these people who say that that uh, the conservatives are fascists, but they can't actually point to any policies. Now, was Trump a good president? Not really, you know. But he also I, I wasn't a he sort of had like a back door into upholding Americans' basic civil rights. Yeah, it was sort of like uh, or yeah. constitutional rights, maybe more than civil rights. Uh, I mean, but he was, he was trying, he kind of backdoored kind of his way into that.
1: Countries and all that,
2: but. But yeah, no, the, the world is worse war, except for an and elite. He didn't start any wars. And the reason that things are worse because of Trump is because of how much he was hated. It yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. really have that much to do with the man himself. I read a play for this uh, play festival mm-hmm. in, um, I don't know, what was it? 2016, it was right after Trump was elected. Mm-hmm. And it was like this little one minute play, rapid response you know, thing downtown okay. that I used to do. And I was saying like, I don't hope you fail. Because if you fail, we all fail, you know? So now you're going to be the president and I wish you the best. I hope for the best. And I didn't spend all of this time resisting just because I didn't like the guy, right? Once you have the president, like, you should be, like, supportive. Don't lie about it. Don't well, make stuff up. he's flying the
1: plane now, right? He's flying the plane. He is the plane.
2: flying the plane. You don't want to crash. Mm-hmm. So... Give it a shot. Make sure he has a cup of water. I don't no, know. But we crash fly we fly crashed plane. the plane. We and crashed we the- crashed the plane because we hated him. We thought Get the pilot exactly. was taking
1: the pilot I'll bring the plane down. And so, yeah. you no, know, you're absolutely, no one has benefited from that. So even my friend, you know, who's a wealthy showrunner, you know, was beginning to say, I just want to go back to normal, man. But we couldn't have done it under Trump, you know? And I was like, oh, <laughs> it was okay. But as yeah, like, you know, well, you're never going to go back to normal now because you crashed the plane, right? So, whatever. And
2: they're going to push Kamala Harris on us. And yeah. nobody likes her.
1: Nobody in California Democrats likes her.
2: Like her. She had 3%. She had like 3% of Democratic vote and before she pulled out. And she had to pull out because she had 3%. I mean, she you No, know,
0: You know who likes her? It's a very small minority or, or, or part of the left. But, of course, they have one of the biggest microphones. It's all the... Woke kind of like cluster B personality disorder yeah. people on Twitter. That part of the <laughs> left, they because she is clearly. I think there's something wrong with her, and those people see themselves in her. <laughs> like <laughs> she has, right. she has a really unnatural laugh. It's like a fake it laugh. Is natural?
2: Yeah. And remember when yes. they were like all agog over her sneakers? Yes. And you just want to be like, look, I got sneakers too. Yeah. <laughs> like we all and then there's the
1: it's socially dysfunctional weirdos. You know, I actually yes. a project of mine uh fell apart uh, a few weeks ago, and I'm actually got it did. But one wh- one of the reasons, even though they didn't say it, is the person involved is very close to Ms. Harris, right? And mm-hmm. I think sensed my politics and just didn't want to be around me anymore. uh yeah. But I was like, you know, it's probably for the best that we part ways this project then, right? Because yeah, you know, you're also one of these elite, you're elite weirdos, and and I just. Go do your thing and. Let's Did see you it. see
0: her the video that came out? Uh, I don't know when I'm losing track of time too, Libby. It was a few weeks ago, maybe, where she was. Uh, they filmed her talking to some teenagers, but she I was, was talking that to too. yeah, the yeah. She thing. talked to them like they were three. It was yeah. this weird sort of you don't know how to interact with children. I mean, I don't think she just had to interact with any age human,
1: but <laughs> she, she was, didn't know how to interact with her bosses. She didn't use with her, with her bosses. We'll just see
0: Oh, is that a joke yeah, about a joke. the blowjob? That's that's okay.
1: A, that's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that video, if you guys haven't seen it, I'm, did you see it, Cameron? So,
2: Libby, you did. But it's just, she's so, is this like, this the their- one
1: where she had actors, like the one that was like the NASA kids that weren't actually na- they were just act- team characters brought in to
2: play the role? They had to audition. And like the California news station did a whole profile of one of the kids about his audition to be in the Kamala Harris propaganda video. yeah
0: yeah Weird. that kind of stuff just makes my skin crawl um, yeah Tom thank you for the super chat says I'm glad they are pushing Kamala because it will bring this whole thing crashing down around them and their support will go to zero. I, I don't have that confidence
2: actually <laughs> oh, uh, but maybe I hope you're right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I, I don't think that... their support should go to zero and I don't I don't think it should. I think we should be able to have reasonable conversations, assuming that everybody has the best interest of the country at heart. Um, but they don't. That's, maybe a, that's a false naive. assumption. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, false, a assumption. false assumption. It is a false <laughs> assumption.
0: Yeah. It's hard to say how much of the left has been hijacked by this extreme ideology and how much, how many of the people are just following it because the loudest people have swayed the culture. This book we just read, um, we t- discussed it yesterday, Libby in book club uh, called Texit. There is one interesting study that he provided. I don't know if I can find it, but he basically, he was quoting this study that said that you only need 10% of a population to uh, change the direction of the crowd. You only need 10%. You don't need a majority. But that 10% has to be like true believers, really committed and vocal. I
2: think that makes sense. And We're so I'm I'm the editor with the Post Millennial. And right now we are being targeted by these Antifa type activists uh, who are going after our advertisers. And they're going after our advertisers because Andy No reports on Antifa. He's our editor at large. And they want to shut him up so in order to try and shut him up they're trying to destroy his employer which is the post-millennial um and it's it's two people it's two people it's two people on twitter contacting our advertisers making up lies defaming and slandering us we send a cease and desist letter and they reply with jokes um and you know what's this about like two people is enough to charge advertisers and the advertisers just fold you know they just fold like deck chairs because they're afraid and they don't want to be further targeted by anybody they don't want to be the subject of some sort of boycott campaign although i think we should all just boycott them
1: yeah I mean, we we are. I mean, look. I I work in the industry, and Hollywood is 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 run by cowardice, right? So people say it's it's greed and fear. It's not even greed anymore. It's just fear because there's there's no money to be made by anybody anymore. So it's just it's just fear of losing whatever you've got. And so that's why all these these ideologies, you know, have taken over. People in Hollywood don't believe any of this stuff. Are the first ones to get out there and proclaim it, just because they're they're afraid of being canceled. This whole town is about your public perception, right? And so Mm -hmm. you just want to co-opt it from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they're, but they don't sense that the the winds have changed in the general populace, Mm -hmm. which is the consumer, which is buying their movies and their TV, watching their TV shows and buying the products the advertisers are presenting. They don't sense that because they are disconnected from the average people, right? They they don't, they have, even with all their access on Twitter, to the you know, stars are now on Twitter. They still don't understand their mm-hmm. their, their, their super base.
2: Then they don't, exactly they don't right. realize that they are now doing the Joe McCarthy thing. Mm-hmm. That previously they hadn't they hadn't liked that whole community.
1: Well, but the end of day, when I say, I've now discovered that a lot of people I thought were liberals are just authoritarians. They always were. They always yeah. were Maoists. They were just it. Just they yeah. never had any social method to release the inner Maoism, but it was always yes. there.
2: Right. <laughs> yes.
1: Like, oh, there's a cultural revolution. My turn. I can release it. <laughs> right. Little red. Yeah. yeah.
2: My son was telling me that there's kids on the playground at uh, at lunch. Right. Where like mm-hmm. you're not allowed to sit at the same table as anybody else. It's a total disaster. But he said there's kids who will be like, you're not wearing your mask right. Yeah. And nobody likes wearing the mask. But for some reason, these doofy middle school girls want to order everybody around and force everyone to do the compliant thing. See, I,
3: I what, did, hap-
2: what happened, though, Cameron, when you say you've realized a lot of people you thought were liberals
0: or were authoritarians. Yeah. I think what what's been happening culturally on a large scale is that as people started to see that, as the masks started to slip and it became more visible, a lot of us who were liberals in the movement, we woke up and left. Yep. Like my waking up period was a, a period of uh, like one to two years, yeah. or 2016, 2017, but I could see it finally for what it was. And even though I didn't have the words for it right away, I started learning the words for it. But it was like, this is not liberalism. This is something else that I'm in. It, and it's authoritarianism is what it is. Some of us saw it for what it was and left. Other mm-hmm. people, I think, saw it for what it was and gravitated towards it. Yeah. Um. And, and that's, that's maybe because... Some of them gravitated towards it because they're like the kids on your son's playground. They enjoy Mm -hmm. being part of an authoritarian ideology, even if they're not at the very top. As long as they get to enforce part of it on their Mm -hmm. neighbors, they get to be an enforcer in their social circles.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson talks about that when he talks about the low level Nazis were the ones who really kept the order. They were the ones who would do the horrible things because that was their job. And so they just did their job. And they got to have yes. power
1: over somebody, and, you know, and it made them t- feel These powerful. These are the managers.
2: These are the people, like, so, in office space, you know? Yeah, exactly. Are you aware I mean, that or, or, you or made a mistake on your TPS office, reports? Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which show?
1: Which show? The, the team show, The Office with, with with Corral, right? You know, yes. which is, you know, an incompetent buffoon as a boss, and everyone else is just, like, going along with him, even though he's a, he's a buffoon, right? So, yeah.
0: So there's three types, though, that I think have been drawn to it now that it's become culturally dominant and tell me what you think about this. One is that first group that gets off on being the middle managers and being Mm -hmm. part of an authoritarian ideology and they want to oppress. And they, now they get like CS Lewis talks about, they have the benevolent tyrant face. So they get Mm -hmm. to mask it with something. It's for your own good. Right. Then there's the people that go along with it out of fear. It's a lot of the people in Hollywood you're talking about. They're Mm -hmm. just afraid and they're afraid Mm -hmm. of being targeted by it. So they go along with it out of fear. And then there's the third group. I think is the people who go along with it uh, because they have such avarice. Or no, or they're they're craven. They desire something, and if they go along with it, they they recognize it as an avenue for power that maybe they can get something by promoting it or being a part. Like maybe I'll get a TV show if I push this
1: ideology. Yeah, it, chaos or, is a ladder from Game of Thrones, right? This is their yeah. moment to to finally be somebody because the system is cracking, and I can take advantage of it. Yes. Anyway, that's just I'm sorry. I was really like I was a, I've met all for me. I connected you know, I'm something I've sure like, met all these characters. I mean, I've yes. met every one of the archetypes you described So yeah. Uh,
0: it's it's interesting to me. Do you watch the uh, the disassociated podcast, Libby? Have you ever seen that one? Which one? Uh, sorry, Disaffected Podcast.
2: I haven't actually, but I'm interested in that Twitter account. I follow that Twitter account. So he it's connects yeah, a lot of this stuff. Yeah, he connects a lot of the
0: things that are happening on a societal scale, he makes it more manageable to understand and connects it to dysfunction and disorder on a personal scale within individuals and their social circles. Mm-hmm. And well, he's the one who's always talking about cluster B yeah. personality. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the ideology is a bit like that. It's a bit like a narcissist or psychopath that people will go along with for one of these three reasons. Like a Harvey Weinstein, for example. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew, but nobody said anything. Why? Well, you've got the people who are afraid of him doing something to them or being a target of his if they they say something or if they push back. That's the fear. Then you've got the people who want to get something from it. It's the greed. Maybe I'll get this movie. I'll go along with it. And I think that's the same thing with bad a bad person and a bad ideology. It's like, and, and then you
1: had the third, which are the facilitators, not just the people actively facilitated. I mean, look, I work in the industry. The I was working on a company uh, on a on a TV show with Oliver Stone on Showtime that was executive produced by Harvey Weinstein. I never met the man, right? But it was a Weinstein production, and all of that thing that went down with him happened when I was there. So I was getting a lot of intel. It was what going on from people at the Weinstein oh, company. And so I heard a lot of what was happening. But one of the things that is not talked openly about, which I'll do in Hollywood because I don't give a crap, right, is that, <laughs> that he did not just have people that were closing their eyes to it or, or some women that were like, all right, I'll prostitute myself for a role. He had madams. He had pimps and madams, very yes. powerful, famous people with Oscars who would like send, like I won't name them, but very famous women with Oscars who would send their proteges to him. Did you know they were madams for him, and they all like, oh crap! When they called him down, I was like, well, I got nothing to do with him. I was like, they were not just going along with it; they were facilitating it. They were his yeah. partners.
2: A bit like why Epstein. were they doing that for their own careers?
1: Uh I mean, some of these people are like, you don't need to, because like I said, there's a very again, I won't name them, but they're very successful people. And so, why uh, do you think they you know were I mean? doing it? I think part of it is 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 joint moral corruption they you know mm. it's 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 why does someone become a madam in 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 in, in a in a brothel right you know money they were re- well money. money money they may have been prostitutes themselves and rose up and now this is their power now they get to be the big boss right so a lot of these actresses who were madams for him had played that game and now they it's almost like you're abused and you do it to somebody else doesn't excuse you mm. right and and some of it's just pure moral corruption it's just like we are above what other people do and say. It's the people who go to the eyes wide shut mm-hmm. parties, right? Which exist in Hollywood. We are above right. all of these little people, right? You know, you know, one of the darkest, I gotta be careful what I say here to not get you pulled. You know, one of the darkest secrets is the abuse of children in this town, right? It's not even it's an open secret, as there was a mm-hmm. video on this, on a movie on that called open secret. And one of the the most horrifying realizations is how many women participate in that abuse of children in this industry, right? Because they can. Because they can, because they're superior to the masses. Yeah.
2: Well, sadism has no gender. Correct. I mean, I was raised by a rather abusive woman, and it was, I don't know where she got the joy in this, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, it was terrifying. Yeah. It's that dark sadism, that dark triad type. And and
0: and it, it
1: breaks you on a certain level because you expect. The feminine to be nurturing especially you know in that position of power and and then to have it become part of this twisted thing and taking pleasure in your abuse then there's no safety at all anywhere
2: Mm -hmm. yeah that's That's one one of the the interesting things about the whole trans ideology Mm -hmm. things right Mm -hmm. is that there's this sort of idea that like if you feel this specific way nurturing or whatever else then you are Mm -hmm. a woman and these are not gender specific traits You know, I mean, one reason that we have so many archetypes and hero stories and heroine stories is because we need to find a way to guide ourselves through life. We need to find a way to figure out how to be kind. What does that story look like? What path am I supposed to follow? My son and I were talking about this um, because he's starting his confirmation process. Mm -hmm. He's going to be confirmed, I guess, Mm -hmm. in a couple of years. So. I used to teach catechism and I'm not putting him in the sixth grade one, whatever, because I don't want him to, have to wear a mask on Friday nights, but mm-hmm. we're doing it at home. And we were talking about the difference between the narrative for uh, Jesus's mother, Mary and for mm-hmm. Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. And both of these are archetypes in sure. Western culture that give both men and women a sense of what the journey of life looks like so Mm -hmm. for mary her journey is she devotes her life to her child she raises her child she nurtures and cares Mm -hmm. for him and then he grows up and she and she sacrifices for him and Mm -hmm. then she has to watch as he sacrifices himself Mm -hmm. to the world both Mm -hmm. mary the mary story and the christ story are stories of sacrifice Mm -hmm. are stories of you know growth through that sacrifice of finding the love there of dealing with that pain, of figuring out how to connect to something greater and how to connect to humanity and how to give of yourself to humanity. Um, Yeah, I feel like we lose that so much. We lose these stories because we hate ourselves like we were talking about. We cut ourselves off from our our human journey. And our ancestors have given us so many stories as to how to plot a course through life that is honorable, that is considerate of others, that raises yourself up, that raises others up, that does good for the world, good for your community, good for yourself, good for your, um, your family. And now we say, no, the government should do that. The government should do this, the government should do that. I was uh, talking to somebody on Twitter, did you guys see there was a story that came out, I think of Louisiana, a bunch of young men in a high school were constantly getting into fights and it was a big okay. problem. So, and they were getting arrested. I mean, terrible, right? So a bunch of dads from the community went into the high school and they were like, "Okay, we're dads and mm-hmm. we're going to do dad stuff and we're going to like guide you," right? We're yeah. going to guide you a little bit. And mm-hmm. someone on Twitter was saying, "Uh, why why is this what needs to happen? Where is the government?" And it's like, "No, the government can't replace a bunch of good dads showing up." Yeah. You know, the government can't replace one dad showing up. And that's dad. why the government wants him. to
1: do it that way.
2: Yeah. Because yes.
1: when you have an entire generation of, of of fatherless men, they are they don't know how to be masculine, and therefore there is no threat to the government because they're not going to be mm-hmm. able to rise up against right. it. Right.
2: And they're just exactly going to fight each other. Which Open is what Malcolm thing. X
1: said was happening in the black community. Yeah. Malcolm X was saying, "Look, you know they're trying to break up our families. The reason that mm-hmm. you know when Malcolm X died, the New York Times you know called him a villain on the obituary, right? And the day he died, he said he was a genius to use his power for evil, exactly because he was critiquing wow. liberalism right. and and, right. and he was saying things like, you know, the what we're watching is the government wants to break down black families. The you know the, the all these things that that LBJ and others are going to be pushing. You know, the Great Society. These programs are going to destroy the the intact black family that has survived slavery right and their goal is to yeah. take your father's away from you he was right and now it's being He's done to yeah
2: and yeah I mean it's done across the board and I think this was primarily a black high school in Louisiana mm-hmm. um, but yeah I, I don't think the government has any place in the family and instead no. what ha- what happens in so many cases is like the government destroys the family and then tries to replace it and all of so many of the social programs and things that are designed to help people simply facilitate dysfunction of course
1: well it, it goes back to what we were talking about before you came on board which maybe we because i think we need to conclude relatively in the near future but uh, what we're going remember we talked about uh, at the beginning about insect psychology entomology right we we talked about it which is the idea that woke <laughs> The authoritarians are attempting to rewire human beings from human interaction into insect interaction. They're attempting to turn us into a hive mind with essentially yes. a queen bee that is at the center, and everyone has a role. The drones have their role. This, this, this insect can reproduce with the queen, but the others can't, right? And everyone has a role in that thing. And you don't have an individual identity, you have a collective identity, and you are sacrificed for the collective. It is an it, it is it is pure entomology. We're be and breaking down the family. Which is the decisive—the decisive thing that makes us human—is mm-hmm. to turn us into the these insects under control by a government queen bee. That's the so. Actual. Is
0: there an article that you read about this? I would like to read because you're reminding me of a friend told me a few months ago. I get as you guys probably do a lot of people saying read this, watch this, and don't have time to read all of them. I would like to, but somebody wanted me to read a paper. Mm-hmm. where they were, I think it might've been what you're talking about, but they, they refer to the woke as, instead of as zombies, like some do, or whatever they call them bug people.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Bug that's, that's Is that fourth, what the yeah. piece
0: was? Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. yeah no, it, And also that gentleman that I referenced to you who, again, it sounds crazy, but he's actually been right about everything. Cliff high. You know, because he claimed again, he claimed in his in his trip that set him on this journey, right? Uh, that when he did when he did ayahuasca forty years ago, that he interacted with what he called a bug alien in the hyperdimension, and and then he realized that human beings were essentially being turned into this, you know, into this bug mindset, which put him on the journey he was on. That sounds crazy, but the end result is, is appears to be true. Well, so. it's
2: transhumanism, right? It's neural link, yeah. it's AI human integration, it's all of that. And that's what we're leading to. I think, um, remember Google Glass? Remember the glasses?
1: I remember they tried to do that, yeah. And it was like,
2: yeah, it basically like reframes your interface with the world. Mm -hmm. I think Ray-Ban is doing that now. I I heard an advertisement. But I think that that's going to come back. And I don't want to walk around uh, interacting with the world as though I'm in a VR headset my kid my kid wants a vr headset and i'm like okay someday you can get a job and buy that (laughs) for yourself because as that money is never leaving my pocket
1: well you you know this was all predicted in 1983 in natalie wood's last movie brainstorm which is about Mm -hmm. virtual reality and how it will basically take over people's minds and destroy them that's 1983 so it's one of those things is like
2: Right, who but was did, you read, did you ever read, did you ever read E.M. Forrester's The Machine Stops from like 1911? No, no. Okay, no, so <laughs> it's, in the, it's in the, you know, open domain, so you can yeah. just download a PDF, E.M. Forrester. He writes about this woman, uh, Vashti, who lives mm-hmm. in a little studio apartment and mm-hmm. interfaces with all of her friends, basically on a Zoom screen. And if she needs anything, she asks the machine and the machine sends it to her. So it's basically... It's our real life. And all of her, um, any dating is done through a, through a uh, the machine. The machine sets her up. And then she had a baby. And then the machine took the baby somewhere else to be raised. It's a- uh,
1: 1911.
2: Yeah, I think it's 1911. Wow. It, it's either 1911 or 1918. I don't know. I've written about the story a couple of times. But it's from a wicked long time ago. And it was oh, the- 1909.
1: I, I just Googled it. It's 1909.
2: There you go. Yeah, Ian wow. e. Forrester was mad prescient, if you take a look at that story. It's amazing. Wow. I was going to mention
0: it. to you a book just quickly, not that old, but in the 70s. And we had to read this book when I in my Women's Studies minor at Duke. Um, it's called Woman on the Edge of Time. Mm-hmm. and it, And what's interesting about that book, I want to reread it now because I read it when I was in the social justice world. Yeah. But it was a dystopian fiction, but they probably actually, I don't think the feminist world would call it dystopian. They viewed it as a utopia. It, it's like, imagine if somebody, if, if Brave New World was written saying, this is going to be great.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: and so, so
2: woman on the edge of time is too. like, yeah. yeah, it's basically they, wrong, they don't right?
1: have, World Economic they don't, Forum. Yes. You won't own anything and you'll be happy. That's what the, in the book, they don't,
0: uh, they're raised by non-binary, a committee of parents. They're test tube babies. And then to make sure that your gender is not put on you. Now this is in the seventies. You're raised by a variety of uh, adults from, with diverse backgrounds, meaning diverse in terms of immutable characteristics, but so, you know, gay and, and bisexual and female and male and what have you and different races, and then this committee that raises each kid is supposed to keep you from being poisoned by society, I guess, and having your, your gender and stuff put on you.
2: Meanwhile, it was though, presented Thomas More's Utopia, mm-hmm. Utopia was a satire. It was a mm-hmm. dystopia. There's no such thing as a perfect society.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, it's and good, there you know. can
2: never be. I mean, this is part of why the loss of religion mm-hmm. is so clearly felt, because- sure. When we have um, faith and when we believe in something bigger than ourselves, we -hmm. can say things will never be perfect on earth, but perhaps in the afterlife, there will be a perfection when we're closer to God. And if you look at our world now without God, we're looking to create a perfect society here. And we refuse to believe that it's not possible. People Mm -hmm. are always going to fail. Not every kid is gonna grow into a grownup. Not everything's gonna work out. And I think that we need to remember that every life is an opportunity for grace, no matter how long or short that life is.
1: Well, Libby, you've hit the the fundamental issues. Who who promoted this ideology? It was Karl Marx. Marx Mm. was, you know, it's a religion. You read Marx's works. He's talking about a utopian world that will come through this historical process. There's no reason to believe that, you know? But it's a religion, (laughs) and you couldn't question that outcome, right? And so the entire planet- And people bought it, yeah. And we and it's being repackaged today. We're going through Marx, you know, as social justice, right, and as wokeism, mm-hmm. It's coming back. And again, this whole idea that you can create this perfect society. Look, I'm a Muslim, and you know, we we also have the story of the fall of Adam and Adam. Even you know, we have the just like Catholicism, we have this ethical code of how you have to live in this world. But life is a test, and and even and and you and God will test you with success and failure and wealth and poverty that's not the purpose of this life is a test and you make the best out of it while you can because there is the afterlife, which is the end result of the test, right? And so mm-hmm. the idea that this is, and that's why these transhumanists are so desperate to stay alive in this realm, right? They, cannot, they, right? they They deny that there is an afterlife, but I would like to suggest it's because their soul knows that there is an afterlife and it is that deep subconscious fear of the end of the test, right? of getting the, the test results. So you don't wanna go, you don't wanna graduate. You wanna stay on this planet in, in any way possible.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've, I think
0: we, yeah, no, go ahead. Well, last time I had Cameron on, he mm-hmm. said, Libby, he said the future is is religious. I almost yes. said the future's female. That's how, that's propaganda <laughs> right there. <laughs> that's like in my head without me even wanting it to be. Uh, no, he said the future is religious. And I thought that was mm-hmm. a really interesting quote because I think it is too. And I think yeah. part of our, our problem is that we tried to replace God, a faith in God, with a faith in government or a faith in ourselves or a faith, faith in technology. Yeah. Right, technology, a faith in science, a.k.a. Fauci. Right. <laughs> science. Well, I mean, we and- go
2: back and forth, right? I mean, we had the Great Revival Movement. Maybe something mm-hmm. like that is coming.
3: Yeah, oh,
1: it, 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 It's inevitable. It's inevitable. I'll tell you the thing that gave me hope. I worked in China. I worked uh, about six years ago in Beijing. I was developing a TV series over there in Beijing with Chinese writers. And so I was there for a few months and I we really wanted to get to know the world. So I would go and I went to ancient churches and temples and mosques that were in Beijing that were still there that hadn't been destroyed by by Mao. There weren't a lot of them, but they were there. And what was fascinating to me is when I would go to these, uh, these sites of worship of different religions, they were filled with young chinese people coming there and asking questions of the people there like why do you believe this and it it was because china that i experienced was the most materialistic society i've ever seen and i've been Mm -hmm. in la for 20 years right and people were miserable there they gotten all the wealth that that the the communists had promised them into this new system that they Mm -hmm. were going to get and they weren't happy because there's still no meaning
2: there's just still no meaning you know if you look at two um you know stalin didn't understand why Mm -hmm. people were still he why people were still religious in Russia. Franco didn't understand. These things had to be crushed. And now we have in the US, we have, um, there was recently a podcast, uh, Kerry, you know, Jack Posobiec, he did a podcast um, where he was, he he had this leaked tape from the White House where it turns out that the Department of Justice in trying to enforce vaccine mandates doesn't actually believe in the sincerity of religious exemptions. Wow! Yeah, Wait, sorry. who who is this? You broke up for a second. Who has this tape? Oh, uh, Jack Pasobek has it on his oh. podcast from. I want to say, was it Friday? Was it Thursday? It was sometime last week. I wrote about it, so I I need to go to, read that. And it yeah, has I would the, love to read it. That yeah. doesn't
1: surprise me. That I mean, the, with the no, current communist no government under- we've got yeah. doesn't believe in, so. believe in
2: religion. They don't believe in religion. They don't believe in. But what's interesting though is that. There is a belief that people who are not part of a dominant religion are entitled to their religious beliefs.
1: But what do you mean? Like yes. like, like in like a new age and, and sort of indigenous beliefs and things like no, that?
2: No, no, like the government would uphold someone's Buddhist convictions. The government oh, so would uphold someone's Islamic yeah. convictions or you know Hindu convictions or perhaps even Zoroastrian convictions. Um, or Native American beliefs, or what have you, but Christian beliefs but said, are kind of Christian garbage, language. and Jewish beliefs are also not um, not respected by the government. I think it's pretty well, interesting but Our, you know, I also found out
1: that in Hollywood, which is very largely Jewish, but they're atheist Jewish, and they're very hostile, very hostile to religious mm-hmm. Jews. My well, yeah, religious Jewish a, friends here are are as beleaguered as I am as a Muslim because they're yeah, disliked exactly. so much. By it's culture.
2: fascinating. Yeah, they yeah.
0: it's almost as if, well, first of all, I know why they're treating Christianity this way, because in this social justice ideology, of course, they've made it one of the so-called oppressor, oppressor groups. So they divide every identity characteristic. You, they put you in these groups and you're either yep. the oppressed or the oppressor. And so when it comes to religion, they've said Christianity, they're the oppressors. So they get treated the same way they treat white people or straight people or men or, you know, non-transgender people. Um Oh, Libby, you have to go. That's okay.
2: (laughs) The person who keeps calling through is my boss. (laughs) Okay, okay. go go. right ahead. Thank you so much for joining us. running a website now. But it was a pleasure. Thank you so much, you guys. You guys can find Libby. You guys can find Libby online at Libby Emmons on Twitter. And I'm at the Post Millennial every day.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Bye. Thank you, lady. pleasure.
0: Bye-bye. Uh, I'll let you go well, soon, Cameron. I got to go, too. But no, I quickly no, we'll, we'll
1: wind out. I want to hear the rest of what you're saying. Yeah.
0: So I think they put Christianity in that group. And yeah. this is also why they pay lip service to, as you know, they'll pay lip service to protecting Muslims from Islamophobia because they. Yeah, but then they also lip service. It is lip service. Right. But uh, but the other reason I think that that. The the other thing that's happening is is what you're talking about, where they have a problem with actually devout like religious Jewish
1: people or Muslim people. They, In they, New York I, City, the religious right. Jews were like, we, we we're not going to go along with this, and, right? And the because that's real faith, Semitic terms against them.
0: Yes, they don't care if you're culturally Jewish or if you're culturally Christian or Islam, Muslim. But if well, you that's are, that's yeah, that's all they want by name identified. only, yes. right? Name only. These, these Christian churches that are preaching woke ideology, they're totally comfortable with that crap. Yeah. But if you have actual faith, like if you're devout, and I don't care if it's Christian or Jewish or, or Muslim, they have a, they're threatened by that. The same reason communist China is threatened by the Uyghurs.
1: The the there community there, Muslims are like that. Hey, yes, let's get, these, let's get these all get them out of here. Which is, you know, the tragedy is China historically had no problem with Muslims. We were always welcome there from the very beginning, and so Muslims have been a major part of China. It's this communist party that decided, okay, these because they were able to wipe out Christianity pretty fast, and then they're like, well, we haven't got rid of these clowns, and so now now the Muslims are next, right? So
0: yeah. It's anything anything that's a deeply, that they can see. It's a, pra- a faith that you practice. It's a yep. deeply held belief that bothers them because then they can't challenge. They, they want you to have this belief in the government. They want that to be your deeply held faith. Well, that, that, is, that, that is your it's God. Guess what? Yeah, that's your Guess God. what this
1: goes back to. Who does this go back to? Pharaoh. It goes back to Pharaoh. This is Pharaoh from Moses, right? The archetype in Islam is uh, the archetype of evil. This is yeah. Pharaoh. I am God, right? Yes. Who is this God you're talking about? There's no this Moses God ain't real, right? That's like Fauci. I, mean, I am goes, science. Like, that's all a trick. You can't believe <laughs> Moses' is, 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 illusions, right? It's amazing. Yeah. We're going back to the archetype of Pharaoh. Mm-hmm.
0: This is why I think it you you're finding a lot of people who are finding God now even in this time where it is being uh, culturally in the mainstream, which is this, this mm-hmm. woke and COVID religion that's being pushed. They are uh, trying to denigrate uh, Christianity. And you, mm-hmm. you would have more to say about what they're saying about Islam now, but, um, but you, but still people are finding God, people like myself and, and I know others who are coming, to, who are coming to my church now, who found God within the past year, or God found them. And I think it's because um I think it's a, almost because you have to have, hmm, I'm thinking through this. It's, you're presented with this false religion that's based in not this religion of, of worshiping the government, right? That's mm-hmm. That in times of trouble and darkness and chaotic yeah. times like right yeah. now, there's nothing there. It's empty. When I was at my lowest point in my life a few years mm-hmm. ago in a very dark place, my religion, social justice, had nothing for me.
1: Yeah, there's nothing to offer. No, no way out of uh, how to solve nothing. your inner turmoil, nothing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that, and that I think is what's causing some people, they're getting way to the bottom of that. Well, there's, they're finding out there's nothing there in whatever their, their God is, their false God. And then there, that's when, in my opinion, that's where God finds you.
1: And that's how this process works. So look again, the (laughs) Moses story, the Moses story. When does Moses show up? The Israelites have been enslaved after 400 years. Remember they arrive as honored guests of the, of Joe, when Joseph is the vizier, Right. Of the previous pharaoh king. Right. And so they were prominent members, respected members who were invited into Egypt at a a very high level because Joseph is a government official. Right. And then when all that collapses at the very bottom of the barrel, when they are slaves, is when Moses shows up and that's when they're ready to listen to him. Right, yeah, that's the archetype we have to go through, and we're seeing that like right now. We talk about the Muslim community, you see, we're in this unique situation because they want to use us for virtue signaling. They all oh, does mm-hmm. brown oppressed religion, even though we're bombing the crap out of them, whatever the brown <laughs> oppressed religion, right? Yeah, Biden's like, Oh, let's go k- kill, let's go. You know, nobody's talking about that entire family yeah. that Biden killed like a month ago, nobody's talking about it anymore. Nobody. Yeah, about it. yeah, just killed his 20 people, whatever life goes on. So, in any event, you know, it's but they, they want to use us for virtue. Sitting. As you see, the hijab now becomes, you know, the poster of resistance to Trump and whatever they think they're resisting. But mm-hmm. it's also like, well, you know, I don't I don't want to take this vaccine because, you know, my Sufi masters say it's part of the Antichrist movement. What? <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, they don't want to do that, right? <laughs> and so and so what you have now is, well, just say, you know, I told you that thing where I went into the Hollywood Muslim crowd and they're all like, well, what are your pronouns? Well, I, mean, I don't belong here, right? <laughs> they say Right. And I was like, this is whatever this is. This is an Islam. Right. But it's going to (laughs) help you get in. Right. And so that's and so what the conversation I was having on Facebook just yesterday was I posted some of my criticisms of of Dr. Fauci of this news event and sort of you had your standard upper middle class Muslim type who's a doctor engineer, got really upset, was like, how dare you promote this Trumpist lies propaganda. But others were coming from my community were saying that, you know, you're all part of that upper class that's going along with this atheist communist crap right so you're getting resistance in the muslim period like you're all jokers are benefiting from this fraud and 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 you're telling us all the rest of us muslims we got to get on board with it because these are the people that are benefiting from hanging out at that upper level that's benefiting from this new communist structure and so they're like and so now you're seeing resistance among muslims saying no you know we're not we're not part of this and we're not getting anything out of this we're just gonna go back to our religion
0: I can't say anything because my dog. Give
1: me a second. Okay, take it off. So you all get to see me for a second. I hope everyone's well in the chat. <laughs> so, uh, but you know, I mean that that is. You got your doggy. See, so you, you, you got yours on. Can you hear me? Okay, you can hear me. So yeah, so now it's. This is why I said that religion is the future. Because we have to go through this period now, a pharaoh, we have to go to this period where we see the false god and we see what the result of worshiping that false god is. That's why when I wrote that thing about idolatry, some Muslims got really agitated because they didn't want to face the fact they were idolizing, you you know, Fauci. They didn't want to face it. And they got really angry and upset. And it's like, well, now you're going to see where your false god leads you to. Right. And you're going to see where that is. And then then you're going to have to come back out of that darkness into light. And that's, and that's what we're all going to have to do as a civilization.
0: Yeah. I I agree with you. I think it'll be interesting if uh, when we get Carter back, if we could repeat some of this conversation if and see like- his take on it, because I think again, just because I know he would, um, he would disagree with wanting to see the features is religious, but I wonder if he would agree that it necessarily will be or not because I I think it's just a natural human thing. Of course, I'm going to believe this because I'm a believer that humans are built to worship. That's what I think. Oh,
1: absolutely. That, that, that I absolutely, and I say that as a believer as well, it's programmed into us, uh, you know, and it's, if you try to take it away, you take away our humanity, and we cannot survive. Uh, and that's why any ideology that takes away religion cannot survive. That's why communism, at least in its overt form, uh, collapsed in the Soviet Union, and Eastern Europe, right? And I was in Bulgaria, I was in Eastern Europe just two months ago, and there's churches everywhere. I mean, there's people have embraced their Christian identity, uh, you know, after having gone through us, you know, near century of communist oppression. So we're gonna go through this. And you know, I think Carter would agree that it is program. He may think that you know he's now figured out how the matrix works. Fine, but the rest of us are going to remain in the matrix in his point of view. And maybe that's still a better outcome for the world that, that Carter wants. Uh, mm-hmm. but I, I believe it is inherent because God put us that into us. It is the longing to return to our source. And you try to take that away. You know, someone said human beings are should be defined as 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 homo religioso, not homo sapiens.
0: Yes. Okay, you know what I want to do at some point. Yes. I want yes. to have you on with my preacher. Oh um, wow! Okay, because yeah. I think you guys would have a really—he did a whole sermon about homo religioso—and oh, wow. okay. uh, I just think you guys would have a lot to talk about. That would be—I would want to be a fly on the wall, or maybe even be on that.
1: We're bring on him that. on down to unsafe <laughs> space sometime, and, and we'll have Carter be sitting like, "What yeah. am I doing here?" And so we are like, "You like, no. crazy people!" <laughs> but you know, I would like to see after God willing, Carter has a very safe baby born today. Um, I yes. would like to see how his attitudes about religion and other worlds may adjust when the miracle of life is presented to you. It'll be interesting.
0: He is already a father of, a, oh, of okay. an older child. Again. But right.
1: we're, we're, Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah, congratulations to Carter, who may already yeah. be a dad of two. Uh, I'm not sure I didn't get any emergency messages uh, confirming or not confirming. And of course, we have to wait a few years to find out what gender the baby wants to be.
1: Um, but no, 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 camera. you don't give it a chance. The baby doesn't have a choice. You tell the baby <laughs> what its gender is, especially if it contradicts what the biological sex is.
0: Also, these days, I don't know what race the baby's gonna identify as, and you know, so it's
1: a yeah. lot, <laughs> a lot up in the air. It, um, it, 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 it's all it's all good, you know. Then I'm actually feeling hopeful for, for Carter's next year for these kids because they have to endure the early part of this, but hopefully by the time they're in their 20s, whatever, they were like wow, it was a crazy Salem witch trial thing that happened when I was a kid, right? I'm glad I yeah. didn't have to go do that, right? And they'll be like, that'll be done with. Uh, I yes. think the next generation will be better.
0: I love your optimism. That's one of my favorite things about you.
1: I mean, it's because Cameron. it's good. It comes from faith, you know? All this is just God's test. This is just a pendulum. You know, in the Quran, you know, we Muslims believe God says, I will test you with wealth and I will test you with poverty. I'll test you with, with freedom and I'll test you with oppression. So we're going to another test.
0: You know what's interesting about what you just said about wealth mm-hmm. and poverty and freedom of oppression? Yeah. I know some people who I think can't see something that we've been that we mm-hmm. believe almost universally culturally is like a positive thing. Mm-hmm. They have trouble sometimes seeing that as a negative thing. So they'll they'll because we have a culture right now that a lot of it is built on resentment and resenting mm-hmm. people and their situation and whatever they have, they'll look at someone who has a lot, like a lot of wealth or something, and they'll say, Life must be so easy for them, never thinking about. Actually, that person might have more problems than you because you can't even imagine some of the the things that then you that that person must struggle with because of obscene wealth. I, I,
1: I a showrunner I worked with was one of the most beleaguered people I've ever met, simply because he was aware enough to know that we were living in a bullshit time, right? And that he, and he was from our generation, but he had to go along with it. And I saw him trapped as a, between a rock and a hard place where he's got to pretend to be somebody just in order to pay his kid's college tuition, right? Yeah. And he's living a life of constant fear that if he says the wrong thing woke, he's gonna not his kids won't be able to go to, right. go to school. And so he's in a constant state of fear, but he's got a lot more money than me, but he's in a constant state of fear because he can't lose that. He's afraid Plus, of losing. He's got. Th-
0: there's that. There's that fear of people losing stuff, and they, they haven't developed their strength of character yet, or any courage yet, or or really figured out their metal. You know, their, who mm-hmm. they are. And then yeah. there's there's also the people who I think uh, it just they're not grounded. It's, a, it's sort of similar thing. And and that amount of power or money or whatever gives them unlimited ability to abuse themselves and others, yeah. which can trap them in this sort of dark cycle no, of just all money like, does you know,
1: money doesn't change you. it just reveals you it's a magnifying
0: it's a magnifying was, it's all, it's i had that happen to a client once where mm-hmm. i and a much wiser friend than, than than mine who worked on the same show um mm-hmm. i was sort of like i can't believe that this person's changing in front of my eyes and um she was older and wiser and mm-hmm. had seen more humanity than i had she said <laughs> he's, not ch- he's not changing the fame and the money Is revealing more parts of him to you, and I just like
1: okay, and that's the the truth. Yeah, (laughs) and uh, it's okay. Look, we we do all this great psychological and spiritual analysis on unsafe space, but we're doing our part because (laughs) I like I said, the world is going to wake up. You know, there's that phrase that uh, I forgot who said it, and someone in the chat will probably say it. There's that quote which says that uh, that that humanity goes mad in herds and then becomes sane person by person. So yes. we're going through the process of waking people up because the whole the last 18 months, the, the country and the planet went insane in a hurry. And now little by little we have to give them the ability to walk out of the matrix that they walked into in yeah. mass. And it's gonna be a process.
0: I, speaking up, I love you guys. Thanks for hanging out with us here yeah. today. And uh everybody say hail Cameron for being our co-host today. Cameron, tell people where they can find you online.
1: Sure. No. I, well, thank you. I'm always honored to be on, and uh, and you know, it's, again, this is one of the few places I feel safe. And the problem is, it's not being broadcasted, so my enemies are going to watch this. Look what he said. Right. Whatever. So maybe I'm not that safe. Maybe I'm not that safe. But whatever. But where people can find me is uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm no longer on Twitter. I was kicked off. But I'm on Instagram. My name Cameron Pasha seventy two. But what I have that's been most important to me in the in the last couple of months is I started a Patreon where I put on a lot of articles and analyses. I just did an analysis midnight last night uh, about where I think China. Hollywood and China are about to break apart and why that might actually be Part of an intelligence operation where the, the Intel guys are telling Hollywood, we're going to be in conflict with China. You need to change the narrative on it. And so I do a lot of very in depth oh, analysis. Wow. Yeah. I do analysis that you don't see everywhere else because I've seen everything. In 20 years here, I've seen everything. And so come join me on Patreon and uh, and I share my writing tips and I do consulting. Like people who have been reaching out to me, like, can you read my screenplay? Can you read my book? Whatever. So I do all that through Patreon. So I'll put a link to my Patreon in the, in the chat, but please join me there. And, you know, and it's just, I'm just glad whenever I'm getting it. Like I said, I, this is, it is fun to not feel completely alone surrounded by crazy people yeah now I've got at least a is. few people here on the on the interwebs and thankfully all the crazy people now that I'm kicked off of Twitter they've forgotten about me they don't care about me anymore so hopefully they're not watching this video and trying to you know take notes to use against me
0: it's all the crazy people keep their accounts on Twitter they don't get banned
1: yeah. <laughs> well the more I'm beginning to realize this I don't know how many of them are real like even the most prominent ones with blue checks I think a lot of them really are bots like, you know, like, when, when this when this thing about Fauci and the dogs came out yesterday, I went to one of the more prominent sites that was like trending that had posted this. Right. Every single comment for hundreds of comments was the same. And the lies were blue checks. I'm like, it's like cut and paste. Or are all wow. these people you we thought were real? Are they all a bots? And I think. I, I think
0: well, person- it can be hard to distinguish sometimes because. <laughs> Again, being a cult, they all kind of repeat the same thing. Yeah, they're like, they're
1: like insects, right? Yeah, The drone warriors have been sent out by the queen to attack. Yes, right, yeah.
0: it's like the sheep in Animal Farm. They get their slogan, and then they know to go, like, say this. And it, they, you're, Why do all these people sound the same? Because they're programmed. Yeah.
1: But, um, but we are not insects, and it violates our soul. Whether Carter believes that or not, I do yes. believe we have a soul, and I believe a soul is a reflection of God. So we are not insects. And so this is an effort by for me a devilish force to turn us into something we're not and yeah. is not sustainable because it violates right. the, the nature God gave us.
0: I'm gonna end with the super chat from Manny. Hi yeah. Manny. Thanks for being in our book club yesterday. Manny says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Which is great. Thanks. Thanks guys for tuning in. Uh, just a reminder we have if you want to follow us uh unsafespace.com, you can always find us, even if you get kicked off YouTube. And um, you can become a subscriber there if you want to help support us financially. You can also find out about the book club. Our next book we're going to be discussing is Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale coming up on November 21st. So you have about a month to read that book, which I promise you, don't let the Showtime SJW version spoil it for you. I love this book. At least give it a shot and come to book club. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in today. Bye, Cameron.
1: Bye bye. Thank you.
3: For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and scheduled for ideological vaccination. To avoid cancellation, please update your ideological contact tracing app on your smart device immediately. Here's a fun fact. Only vaccinated black lives matter. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice, Curtis, never mind. That last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.